Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Walk on Pat podcast. My name is John Fairbanks. I am with Andrew Blaylock today. He is here with us to be able to go over our second Swamp Kings companion episode. So this is going to be for the Swamp Kings episode, episode two. And this is going to be that companion podcast episode. So this is going to be that untold Swamp Kings docuseries that's on Netflix. So if you haven't watched that yet, go over there, watch episode two, and then come back to us and listen to this podcast episode. This is going to be where we're going to go chronologically with episode two. It's all of the year 2006. Episode one kind of ends around the Tennessee game, kind of third game of 2006. And then episode two picks us up from that point on in 2006, all the way to the national championship against Ohio State. And so for today's episode, I am joined by Andrew Blaylock, who we played together as walk-ons on that championship team. Andrew, share a little bit about yourself so we can get ourselves started. So Andrew Blaylock played quarterback, was there 2006, 2009, uh, from Durham, North Carolina, and was a walk-on my entire time at Florida and enjoyed every bit of it. Uh, looking back on it now, but at the time did not. Um, yeah, let's just say it was, it was a good time, but uh, there were some rough patches in there. Yeah, we needed some time, right? We needed like some time away to fully appreciate, be like, that was great. Yeah. Because because it was a lot of suffering. And there is a there is a theme that we've been talking about um, as you go through these companion episodes, as you listen to the stories that are shared by um, Andrew and Vernon and episode uh, three, we're going to have Roderick on. So we'll have Blackett on. And then we have Chris Pintado is going to come on for our episode four. And there's just a universal theme of, of just suffering that happens for the majority. And certainly from the walk-ons perspective, it's in order to kind of get to the other side, if you had even got the opportunity to like even get to the point where you could start or play and do that level, there was just a really healthy amount of suffering that you had to go through just to get through those doors. And even once we got there, it was something that um, Pintado and I talked about in episode four, where it is, It's you get to, even when you're starting, you're still a scout team guy. Like it just was like, even when we were doing special team stuff, it just was like, oh no, like it's, we still need scout team dudes to go. So you're still going to get ground up. Like you're still going to get the shit kicked out of you by Jim Tart and by some of these dudes that are just like, no, 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 like they're just absolutely going to smash you. And um, you never got rid of the suffering. Like the suffering was kind of eternal. No, but you know, the the good thing about it is like, I look back on it and with what I do now, like if I have a hard day or something like that, or like, I just look back and like, I just remember myself basically like during some of those workouts, you just sit there and like picture yourself on a beach somewhere. You just like had to like phase yourself out just for a second, just to make it through there. And I'm like, you know what, if I went through that stuff, there's, there's not much I can't go through. And I'm telling you that that's talk about a universal thing that is absolutely consistent, probably for the scholarship guys too, but certainly like when we're getting together in the walk-ons, we're all talking it's, that is like, it's, there's nothing like I remember. So the last practice that you do for like your senior year, you get to get up the last, was it at the bowl game? Maybe it was yeah. the last, last bowl practice you get up and the seniors get to say something. Right. It's kind of whatever that that final practice you say something. And I remember I did it twice 
because I was one of those douchebags that like acted like they were done and then came back for fifth year anyway. Yeah. Um, but I can't remember which year it was, but I remember there was like a universal theme for a lot of the dudes, a lot of the seniors that got up and they were talking where it was just like, there's nothing. And then, and we had that perspective, even at like whatever it was, whatever we were 19, 20 years old at the time. And it was like, there's nothing that's going to happen in my life, in my life. That's going to be harder than this. Like it's, I'm so mentally prepared where it's, and it ends up being completely true. Now remove ourselves, whatever it's been, 15 years, 10 years, whatever it is now being away. And it's, it's 100% true. There's no boss. There's no one that motherfucks you the same. Like, it's just, just like, there's not like, it's, I don't have diarrhea when I'm getting ready to like go into a meeting with my boss. You know what I mean? Like, there's no, like, it's the level of stress and the level of anxiety and the level of just suffering what you went through. It just is like, oh, okay. The bank account's a little low. It's all right. Yeah, we'll, we'll figure, figure it out. Like, yeah. it's, like, it's, it's like, we'll figure this out because it's just as, it is you've been put into a corner. And it is, um, I was telling my wife this maybe yesterday, but it was like this idea where it's like, I don't know if I would, I don't know if I want my sons. I don't know if I would want my sons to go through what we went through. But while at the same time, I don't know if I would want to do it any different because I know like what it made us Mm -hmm. and how we came out on the other side of this. And like, just as like, there's a, a gift that we were all bestowed through suffering and through like hard labor to get there to where it's like, that can't be taken away. Um, an example. So there's a movie called right V for vendetta. Right. And in the movie, one of the characters gets essentially gets tortured and, and gets like, has tons of opportunities to be able to like save her own skin. If she gives somebody up and she doesn't. And at the end, it ends up being like a ruse where it was like, she was just being tortured so that like, so she could prove to herself that she wasn't willing to like give in to the man. And she was like devastating. He's like, but you have a gift now. Like, you know, unequivocally that you either could have zigged or you were zagging and you just said, no, I'll happily die. You can shoot me behind the chemical shed. Cause I'm not going to give up. And I think that there's a, a certain level of like, at some point in a walk ons career, you're like, Nah, just kill me behind the chemical shed. I'm all in on this. Yeah. Like I, I could have quit and I'm not gonna. So here we are. Well, yeah, that, that's the crazy thing is like, you know, we can talk about it later on in the show, but like after that first year, I didn't know if I wanted to do three more years of that. <laughs> I believe that. I and believe I was that. like, you know, but but then I started thinking about it. I knew I always wanted to work in football uh, or mm. in athletics. And I was like, you know what? Like, if I don't stick this through, then I'm going to put myself so far behind. Like this will help. I wanted, I basically used it to help me get ahead in my career. Um, Meyer talked about that shit all the time. Right. Yeah. Didn't he? He used to say that shit all the time to us where it was just like, we're going to get, essentially we're going to get our pound of flesh. Like we're going to get all of it out of you. Like we're going to use you up. So you need to use us. Like you have to take full advantage of take full advantage of who we are and use us. We're going to get ours. Like, don't worry about that. So yeah. don't get taken advantage of. Yeah, no, they definitely got theirs. I think, that, <laughs> I think we can all agree on that. For sure. All right. 
So let's go. So the very start of the episode is immediately clips of the Gator Walk. And at this point, I don't think anyone even ever talks about the Gator Walk. No. But we but we see some clips. So this is where folks uh, where you can see players are walking and everybody's in suits and are all did up and and there's just walls of fans. And um, I had never seen that. Right. I never saw it as a fan. Right. So it wasn't one of those things where even when we were um, Shelton and I talked about the fact that as walk ons, you get two tickets and one of those tickets are for you to get to yeah. go to the game. Right. Yeah, so you exactly. can go sit in the sands with your mom. And, um, so, but when you go get those tickets, you, you're not at Gator Walk. Like, so you're not going to get it. So I didn't see it until I was kind of part of, had the opportunity to experience it. And it's, it is pretty, like, it's pretty crazy where these people come and they line up and just wait to see you come off the bus in order to walk into the stadium. Yeah. And I had never seen anything like that, um, growing up before. I mean, I, um, team I rooted for growing up, like it, there was not a following like that. And I remember with the Gator Walk, I don't know if you remember this freshman year, you know, those games that we did get to dress out for and do all that. They told us if you wanted to be in the Gator Walk, you had to meet at a certain spot underneath the stadium. And then you would have to walk with, I think it was one of the strength coaches. Mm-hmm. And you'd walk around the corner, um, basically from the edge of the stadium to around the corner and time it up right with the buses. And then like, you know, the first first time, you, you don't think anything about it. Like, you're uh, just like, hey, I just want to walk in front of I'm so people. stoked. I'm so excited. Yeah, and, and they're just – you're sitting there like, yeah, they have no idea who I am, but this is going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. And so you're all – like, you show up dressed up and all that. And then I remember, I think I did it maybe – I maybe did it all freshman year. And then and my, my parents ended up coming down to every game, which I didn't think that they would do. But I, I remember that – yeah, like they came to the first game and they got hooked. Yeah. And after that, they were like, yeah, we're, we're going to come every every home game. That's awesome. And I remember them, I, I guess it would have been sophomore year, like going on there, like, yeah, you going to, you know, go up there? Because I didn't go to the hotel. Like, I wasn't right. on the bus, so. Well, cause you don't, so can we talk about how you have to get to the, how you have to get to the stadium? <laughs> so, like, you have to, so because you don't get to go to the hotel, right? So you're not at the hotel, you're not with the team. So you sleep in your own bed the night before. Yeah. And then you get on your scooter. And if you did not t- time it upright, cops weren't going to let you into the stadium. Correct. Like you couldn't get close enough. to. I cannot tell you how many times we got stuck where we're like, I promise, officer, I'm part of the team. Do you see how dressed up I am right now? It's a thousand degrees out. It's a thousand degrees and I'm in a tie and a suit. Yeah. Like it's I and I'm on my scooter. I'm rather large. I promise. I need to get to the stadium. Nope. Can't get through. This is like, what in the hell? Like I remember it happened so often where it's like trying to figure out how I'm like park my scooter, like I don't know, out in like fucking BF by the Odom or something. Right. Like and then walk and try and like sneak through to get down to like again, like you said, to get to that like the pillars or whatever so that we could sneak in between the buses and act like we were popping out with the rest of the team. Yeah. I, I want to say, I want to say that I started, um, cause getting stopped coming. I completely forgot about that, but now that you bring it up, I think I remember like having a picture of me being on the roster and being like, Hey, you know, like <laughs> this is, this is me. Like uh-huh. I, I am on the team. 
I know I'm not with the team that you watch play on the field every time. It's very confusing. I understand. Yeah. But again, I'm wearing a suit right now, and I would not be wearing a suit if I did not have like, to do this. Come on, sir. I know you can add this together. This doesn't make sense, right? And why would I be here? <laughs> what What do I have? To, and so now, so ultimately, it happens to you once in all reality. And then from then on, you're like, I'll just get there two hours early. <laughs> I'm just going to get there early 100%. so I can just sit and I can just wait in the weight room and wait till it's time for us to all go up. Yeah, because you start thinking about it, too. You're like, you know, because freshman, you, you just want to do anything. And, sure. and it's not that you didn't appreciate that, but like later on, you're like, yeah, like I don't really want to walk up there wearing a suit, walk around the corner and then just like hop in line with everybody. Once I get off the bus, it's like, yeah, yeah this uh, is lame. I don't want to do this, yeah, I, I want to do this anymore. The whole like, not, um, the whole gator walk was awesome. Yeah. But it was just, it was just that, that part of walking up to meet the buses after a while, you're just like, no, I'm, well, because you good. are, you're sneaking, right? Like you're sneaking up there. Yeah. And, and it does. And, and the novelty does wear off sadly. Right. Cause the reality is, is that it's, it's tight. It's a big deal because as a walk on, um, I'm going to keep bringing it up. We bring it up in a lot of these episodes, but it's like, it's the notion that it's your superstars get treated like superstars and your shit gets treated like shit. It's like, as a walk on, you were lower than shit. Yeah. And we were lower than that. And so, so it was a big deal when that roster came up and it wasn't just walk-ons, right? The reality is, is you had some, some low, low level struggling scholarship guys that, that got treated in a similar fashion. Um, but it was when you got the opportunity to do Gator walk or just be on the sidelines, like that wasn't a given. Right. And I, and so it was a huge deal mentally where you like, it's, I have shown up cause, cause there really were, there were tons of, we talk about it like it's 75, 85 scholarship athletes and then 30, 40 walk-ons. Yeah. I want to say we carried like 130 on the roster or something like that. Like it was. So uh, we're rolling deep. Right. And the reality is, is you can't have 130 dudes on the sideline. No. So it really was, there was this, um, it was kind of starting to separate guys that really wanted to be there. And so you got rewarded. It was like for the work you put in the weight room, for the work you did on scout team. And it was all you had to go on. It was mm-hmm. like Meyer would speak to you and it would make your week. But you're like, oh, it's like something to write home about. And then you yeah. realize that he's actually having the same conversation with you. And for the first, like for three years straight, it ends up being the exact same conversation. But yeah. early on, you don't know that. You're just no. coach. Talk to me, and yeah. then it's like they, and then you maybe get like an attaboy, like get the fuck out. Like when we were in like film, and you're like, oh man, I remember like uh, there's a, for the defensive line, it was a rock step. So for for our, our the defense that we ran, you ran a rock step, which was just a, it was a, a step into the gap, and then you go up. So you're essentially just shifting over, you know, half a half a gap. They then go and move and the whole team would just rock to the step, rock to the side and go. And it was one of our, just a standard things. And man, I remember like my freshman year, I'm on the scout team and Meyer like rewind, fast forward, rewind, play, rewind, play. It's like, my God, that's the best goddamn rock. Who's there? Like, and, it's, and it's me. And I'm like, yes, it's me. I did that. It's like, coach, coach Madison. You see this rock step? Yes, coach. Yes, coach. I see the rock step. This is the best damn rock step. I've. It just was like that thing. And you're like, dude, I, I that was it. That was like yeah. all I needed to yeah, be able no to doubt. continue with life. 
Yeah, because because then for every one of those one conversations you had in the hallway, there was the zero. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's why you needed that because it's like because it is 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 joking, but it's like it was. It's I I needed that lift up because there was a possibility I killed myself tonight. So it's really positive that I was able to have like an attaboy because it was getting really dark. Like yeah. it, was a, it was a dark place. Cause like Mickey was really mean to me and then the guys were mean and then I got beat up and then it's like, okay, coach says I'm, I'm good. I'm good now. And then yeah. it's like, all right, I can keep going. Now I can go through the same exact cycle tomorrow. And <laughs> see if I get another attaboy. It's like a really unhealthy like relationship with a female. Or whatever, like a significant other. She's like, she's mean to me six out of the seven days. But my God, that one day is so good. It keeps me going. hundred percent. It's like definition abuse. I mean, like, no, 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 no. Like, it's it's okay. Like, he, she, he treats me right. Like, it'll be all right. Like, it's like, yeah, but he, he hits you. Like, yeah, but I know he loves me. It's okay. Yeah, he rewards <laughs> me the other day. It's okay. It's <laughs> exactly what it was. So, so that was like, so Gator Walk, they show it. And definitely that was, I remember. So my first time doing the Gator Walk, I think I want to believe my heart of hearts wants to believe that Schmieder was there because I just remember, and I don't remember when did Schmieder get to, he didn't come with us in 06. No, was he? I think he came then. I think he came in 07. I think so we had to, have, we had to have done it. Well, I remember I was there for Schmieder's first and I just remember he, he was just, it's when he had like the Afro mm-hmm. and he was just like, this is amazing. This is the most incredible thing I've ever done. And it just, and, and, that was cool as being like once you get a little bit older and still being you're not any really at the end of the day you're not any different than any of like the younger walk-ons that come in but you just have so much perspective on them yeah. so it is really it, it just is like it's it was awesome just to see them be truly excited of like those little things and being like all right like that that's awesome for you guys like yeah. get these get those little wins i referenced a scooter so I referenced the fact that we would scooter to the to the stadium. Did you have a scooter? Yeah, so I did. But I, I remember um, I went down there two times in high school. I went down like uh, January, February, whatever it was, my senior year. And then I came back for the spring game. And Oh, okay. And while I was down there, I don't think I noticed it the first time or the second time. I saw everybody on these scooters. Mm-hmm. And what, it's funny what the – the thing that I thought about at the time was the old, um, I guess it would have been like GTA, like Vice City. And you know, the little, like scooter you could get in that and just how it was like the worst thing you could have. Like everybody was like laughing at it. Me, me. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So I remember and I was sitting, I was sitting down there uh, talking to my brother. He's like, yeah, I mean, you should probably get one of those. I was like, no. I was like, I'm never going to have one of these things. Like <laughs> those things look so bush league. Like, have you, have you seen the, how you look on one of those? There's no yeah. way I'm going to get one of those. Yeah, so I said that. So held true all summer. Um, I had a car down there, and then I remember I got down there right before summer B, and mm-hmm. my first summer B class was it was some like English class, but it was all the way out on University, like it yeah. was in a random building, basically across from the library. So I took statistics in that building. I know exactly what building you're talking about. Cause I used to like camp in Chipotle. Yeah. Like just all day waiting for this, like 6 PM statistics class that I had. Yeah. 
So, and of course, when you get somewhere new, you're not going to just hop on a bus. Cause I remember, I can't remember no. who it was, but somebody was like, yeah, I hopped on a bus. The next thing I knew I was at the mall. <laughs> That's and, awesome. That's exactly what happens. And uh, so I was like, all right, I'm not going to get on there. So I would, I would walk like 25, 30 minutes from Springs to that class. And I did it the whole time. What's the like, month for summer B? Yeah. I was like, so was that, is that June? Like that's June, July. Like, yes. So walking. It's, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, 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 it's smoking hot. And uh, I remember the, the fall came around. I was like, you know what? Like my parents were down one week and I was like, hey, I know I said I didn't need it. Because I'd always, it was like you, uh, Mike, Bo, somebody. I'd always just say, hey, can I get a ride? And so sure. I, was like, I was like, hey, yeah. can I get one of these? Because so we we're, we're at Springs, right? At this point, we're all in the same dorm. So everybody's literally living, like it's, it's the same parking spots all in that one spot. Yeah. And, and we were always in the same lift groups. We're always, yep. whatever we needed to do, one of the lift groups, we knew it was going to be at six. Yep. And uh, so finally I got one and it was like, it was the most clutch thing to have the rest of college. Like I remember I got one stolen, like one broke down. Like, Did you really? Yeah. And, and the worst, the worst thing about a scooter is those days where it would just pour in the afternoon. Oh and yeah, so, and especially if you were already to the point where there was no turning back to like go get a jacket or something like that, you just show up to class and it it looked like you just went swimming in your, all your clothes and you're sitting there in class and like you just kind of look around, everybody's kind of looking at you like, yeah, yep, this is nothing me. I can do. This is what I I remember. So I get the the scooter, the first scooter I got, and it was you know it's forty nine cc's, and I remember being like. You know, you go on and you're just like, it's not, it's, this is, this is as fast as it goes. This is bullshit. Like it just was like, cause again, it's just, you're a big human. And I yeah. was like, there's no way, there's no way. I remember I was, I was like, so what are the laws? What's the exact CCs I need? Like, what do I need to get? And, I, and so then I remember like, like, I just like systematically was like just leveling up scooters till I could finally get like scooters that I felt like were proper. And so this, it was like that that scooter place that was in, like, had to just have been making just oh my filthy amounts of money because no it was like they were like a thousand dollars. It wasn't like they were a couple hundred dollars. Yeah, no, those things cost more than what you thought that they would, and it was oh for like, sure. And yeah, think about it. Everybody on campus had them. I Absolutely. mean, it was you know maybe people were stupid like me initially said, yeah, I'm not going to get one, but they they probably changed their mind. Well, because if you brought a car, you quickly learned, oh, they sold twice as many parking passes as they did parking spaces. Yeah. So the amount of tickets, like the amount of parking tickets was out of goddamn control. And yeah, so I remember was- like, I just was like, oh no, my truck just stays there now. Like I don't, it never leaves. I now have my truck just permanently lives here on campus and it's in the one spot that I know I have. And only when we go home for a long period of time is the truck coming with me. Otherwise. Yeah. It's and then you start like, you start figuring things even later in college, like even if you move off campus, you're like, all right, do I really need to have my car for this? Or can I just take right. my scooter over there to go get it? Yeah. And then eventually I get a, I ultimately got, I had got a, a thing called a big ruckus and that thing kicked ass. Wasn't it that like, like basically the motorcycle that wasn't a motorcycle? Yeah, it was super sweet. Like it was, I had like a backrest, 
like it was like it was super dope but then eventually i leveled up to getting um a motorcycle motorcycle i got like a yamaha v-star motorcycle probably in 09 or whatever like i think i was married at that point like oh wait yeah i had finally got one um but again, it just was the idea where just, there was no way. Like if I'm going to go to, and and ultimately the excuse that I used of getting the motorcycle, which my wife was had no idea about. So she was super stoked that I showed up with a motorcycle. It was like, I'm like, listen, it's dangerous to be on a scooter. Like you pull out, like you have no get up and go. So it's like, it's, I need to have a proper amount of get up and go. And so therefore I, I bought a motorcycle because that's, that makes yeah, sense. I mean, it, it 100% makes sense. It was, it was 100% logical. So, um, so as we go into this part of 06, they start to kind of share, we're getting into the games, obviously we were already in Tennessee, but there was a, a note that I made of like the mentality of freshmen when they first are coming in. Yeah, it was, so it's funny. I, I was thinking about, about this last night, actually, cause I, I rewatched it again. I think I've seen it, um, probably three times. Like if I just get bored, I'll yeah. just. There's nothing else on TV. Like I've watched The Office a million times. Like <laughs> I can take yeah. a break from that. Sure. And uh, one of the the coolest things, and, and I feel like Chris Leap wasn't given the right respect for the player that he wasn't on that show. Sure. Because like there's no chance in 06 that we win that if he's not the quarterback. 100%. And I remember one of my like first things on campus that was the coolest thing was so being from North Carolina. Uh, Chris Leap is from North Carolina. He was a big deal. His, his high school was like it was it was Chris Leak, and then I think Joe Cox followed him up at quarterback at that same high school. And they just they beat everybody by a million points. But Chris Leak was a huge deal coming out of high school. So I just remember like one of the first days I'm down there in Gainesville. Um, I get a call from a random number. I pick it up. It's like, hey, Andrew, this is Chris. You know, we're gonna throw it this time. No, no shit. Like, That's cool. Like kind of one of my things. I was like, "All right, this is awesome." And like, <laughs> I remember cool. he had uh, this kind of gets gets me in the fanboy a little bit here. But I remember we had a break, and I went home and I missed his call, and he had left me a voicemail and all that. And uh, I was sitting back there and I was telling all my buddies uh, from high school about it, and they were they were going nuts just about the fact that. Like he left me a voicemail to go like to go throw with the guys and stuff like that. So like that was one of the coolest things. But when cool. when throwing with those guys, I quickly realized um, <laughs> my no. my arm was not quite what their arm was. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. And even my athletic ability, not really on the not, same playing field. Not quite. Not quite up to par. No. And then like the other guys like especially in that 06 class that you look like when we got there that first year, like you looked around and the people that you saw, like they were just different. You're like, and especially like where I came from high school, I mean, you know, decent sized city, but we just didn't have like Carl Johnson was actually, actually from my city. So um, I didn't know that. Yeah. Me and him actually played AAU basketball together. What? Um, That's yeah. awesome. So like, I saw he was like an outlier in our league. Like he was just no, he was a massive human being, regardless. Yeah, Carl's calves were the size of my waist. Yeah. Like and like I'm sick. I was six five two fifty when we play, you know what I mean? When we first get to college, I'm six five two fifty. And and Carl is what? Was he was six, at least eight, three eighty. Yeah, he was 
up there. He was enormous. He was enormous. He was huge. And he could move so well for being that big. For sure. For sure. And so, like, I'm, I wasn't used to seeing all these guys. So, like, I, I get down there and I'm like, damn, like, this is what these guys look like. And you start seeing those guys run around a little bit. But then you're thrown out there, like, in the first practices that, that we had that fall camp. And, like, you're seeing these dudes run around in pads, and it's like – it's almost like somebody blurs past you, like some of these receivers or some of the DBs. Oh, yeah. And you're you're sitting there just looking at them. And it's it was incredible. Yeah. The, just the amount of – like, people – the word freak show athlete is thrown around a lot. I would agree. But our team was full of them. Like, we just had, like, that staff – and, like, being on this side of it now, like, it's incredible looking at the fact – that that staff could find and just develop those that many just like freaky athletes on one team. I called it a razor's edge. I've, I've referred to it now as a, it was like a razor's edge that, that, that our that the recruiters and our coaches all walked Yeah, where they did. They went and found just the absolute freakiest athletes that existed. And, and secured them, but it was that razor's edge of like, all right, where we pulled these dudes from. Yeah. It was, it was clear, right? It, I mean, there's a reason why it's like, it truly, it, fe it felt unique and felt special. And it may have been one of the reasons why when we played there, 41 total players have been either arrested or jailed. I think it was just with. on that 08 team. Not good just Lord. while we were there. Good Lord, Andrew. <laughs> uh, yeah. So like, People, people always ask about playing there, especially with this. And they're like, yeah, y'all had that many people arrested? I was like, yeah. You know, I was one of the few, the proud, the unarrested. Like, <laughs> the unarrested. <laughs> you know, there were a couple of times where maybe I could have been. Sure, for sure. For sure. But, uh, yeah, that, the thing I tell everybody about those guys, though, like when you're talking about the Razor Edge, the one thing that – that I think that they did and that they hit on a lot more people than they missed on. Cause there were very few misses that came in there that didn't work out at least while we were there. And like, I, I don't remember all of them. I feel, as far as misses, like I would say as far as athletes, for sure. Right. We're talking about like athletic ability, but if we take it, cause this gets me to like the thing I was thinking about, which was like the idea of like the mentality of freshmen that come in. If you think about like that Oh six class, I mean, remember Chevy. Yeah. Like we had, remember like the, we, there was like, it, there was a, an attrition rate that the, the, however, you know, it was referred to Vernon referred to it as a dictatorship, right? Like Myers. Cause he was, he was talking about like the perception from guys that were there in Oh four, Mm -hmm. And then get to 05 when Meyer first shows up coming from like Zook being a player's coach to Meyer being not a player's a certain coach. Player's coach. <laughs> a certain, he, I think that's fair. A certain, a certain player, a certain player's coach. And it was th th that dictatorial style where I think those freshmen, when they're coming in and it, it goes to another topic, right? With like five stars that come in, they're told that the shit does not stink. Yeah. They're told that they're God's gift to humanity all through the recruiting process. And then you show up <laughs> and then it's like, oh, you have no clue that it's like, no, dude, you, you are the bottom of the barrel. And that is what makes it starts early. And it does. Right. And it's, and so, yeah. 
And it is one of those things where you can tell, like for us, we already had to have the mentality that we're going to do something crazy. Like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to walk on, I'm going to try and earn my way where a lot of these dudes were like, Oh, I, I was supposed to be the man. And now yeah. it's like, Oh, you're not, you're not the man and watching and then being us getting to be older guys and watching young, young scholarship guys come in and just being able to just knock their dick in the dirt and just being like, Oh dude, welcome. This yeah. is going to be your life for the next two and a half years. Well, and, and what was so interesting, even like piggybacking off of that too, like with the freshmen coming in, you know, everybody thinking you're so good, you know, the coaches would tell you, you know, otherwise, you know, the whole de recruitment process, like, Hey, we're not recruiting you anymore. Like this, this is real life now. Yep. But what I, what I think really made that group, like the older group um, of that 06 team special is that they held everybody accountable for the freshmen. And it, and like you talk about, you know, it's like a, a guy like Chevy that ended up transferring out, but like, if you messed up, they weren't scared to call you out. Like those guys would call you out quicker than a coach would. Oh, and, for sure. And it was like, so your your whole mindset, you come in all bright eyed, and then all of a sudden you're like, you know, and for us obviously it's different, but I could see those scholarship guys coming in and it, it still happens now. I can tell you that. Like it happens everywhere I've been, the freshmen that we bring in, same way. Those freshmen come in. You know, like they're awesome. It's even worse with social media now because everybody. Oh, I don't know if the coach has been blowing them up, but everybody else has. Yeah. And you, you, now they start to experience what college football really is, and, <laughs> and which uh, is work, motherfucker. It is work. Welcome yes. to work. Bring your tail. Bring <laughs> bring your pail to be able and to go to you, work, man. And if you don't, not only are the coaches going to make it your life miserable, but the players are going to make it miserable because mm-hmm. at the end of the day especially those old, older guys, you were messing with what they had, they were trying to build and had built before. Yeah. And it was, yeah. And, it, and honestly that the 07 class, I know that they kind of talked about, but that 07 class came in like that. And that's, um, you, you could tell that they all knew that they were really good, but they didn't have that. The D recruitment didn't happen as early and it was kind of, but you look at it is because we didn't have, the leaders in 07 like we did in 06 Correct. or at least they weren't as vocal about it as the guys in 06 were well and 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 I'm a, I believe it's because that void right a void happens you lose a leader the guys that were underneath and I'm not going to pick on on Johnny Brantley but I'm gonna, I'm going to I'm going to use him as an example right Johnny doesn't get a chance to lead right right Johnny he's under Tim for so long and then Tim's gone Johnny's last year is that you need a year to figure out what leader you will become. You're not leading at that point. At that point, you just, it's, it's an imitation of either guys that came before you. So it's by the time he's ready to lead, he's done. It's over now. Like off you go. And that's, that's really hard where it is. And it was where for us, we came in in 06, we win, which is like, which was awesome. But it was like the worst case scenario, yeah. right? To have the 06 class win right out the gate because then they get to 07 and it's like, well, shit, we're awesome. And, yeah, then, it's, we and, last then, year. And, and then it's like, oh, we're not awesome. And then we go through the fires of fucking Mordor to be able to be then re- deconditioned of whatever those feelings were that anyone had. And that's when those guys learned to leave. 
but you yep. have to have 07 to get to 08. 100%. And those guys have to have 05 to get to 06. Like it just is. And so it definitely was. I remember our freshman year, the first time we got punished and me full, it was like, you know, like writing on the wall of like, as a group of being punished for what others do. And it was like, we had a lot of the guys that were our freshman class. They just weren't like bringing like backpacks or anything to class. So it just was like, either they weren't going to class or they were just showing up and literally just sitting there. Yeah. And I remember they called us into the weight room, just the freshman class. And they took us to the over by where they used to torch, where they would do like biceps and like wall sit torture. Yeah, and there was a door. Yeah, that then took you up that stairwell to the top of the stadium. That was essentially in. It was like you know what I mean. It, a fucking tower of just cement darkness in this yeah. stairwell. And I, I mean, they had us run for what, like an hour, like yeah, running it, up and down those stairs. And it was constant. Like it wasn't one of those things where like, oh yeah, hey, run up, come down, you can take a little break. No. No, it was, it was nonstop. And I remember like, it's cause my mentality, every, how like it's how I ultimately want to get to Florida and the things that I had goals to do. My mentality was just like, go, 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 go. Like I'll, you know, I'll out hit anyone. And that was kind of like my mentality. And so we get to this, I'm not in great shape, but like my mindset is there. So I'm with Tim. So I'm like, this is the dude to follow. Yeah. I've explained it before, but it's like, it's, I was from California and I didn't fucking pay attention to ESPN for anything. Mm -hmm. So I don't know who the fuck Tim Tebow is. But right? I don't what know what he was doing. I knew you could see it, right? You could see that this dude had a drive, right? Like you knew that he was the real deal. And this is summer B, I think, right? This is like, we're, this is when we first are getting there and kids are getting in trouble or whatever. But I knew he was the dude to follow. And so I remember he's just like, you just stick with me. And I'm like, well, I'm going to stick with him. And like, it didn't matter how much want to I had in my body. I was not physically capable of sticking with him. Mm -hmm. It just was at some point, it just was like, dude, I, I'm dying. You know, Literally like dying. Never like, reached and physical he, exhaustion. Ever and, and, 100%. I, I would 100% agree with that. Whether we were running stadiums, doing those stadium sets when we were fucking 18 years old, all the way to anything. It was like he it he wasn't the best athlete, but exactly like it was just there was no such thing as he didn't get tired. Yeah. It was and, very bizarre. And it was crazy because it and it, you know, some of those guys can go all day because they don't strain themselves to right. to go that hard for that long. He strained himself just red line and mm -hmm. like Still, somehow, like you, we could have run an entire stadium, and you would have told him, "Hey, we're actually going to do another one surprise," and he just would have taken off and done it. Like that He's dude. Like, Let's go. Yeah, we're, we're going. His wiring was so different, like from a competitive nature, and just like yeah. a, a, really at the end of the day, that's what it comes down to. Is he was just more competitive than every single person there. Yeah. Oh, it, not even close. And it wasn't even close. And that, and that was like, if we were doing L drills or pro shuttles or that kind of stuff, it didn't matter if he was going against Percy. It didn't matter if he was going against Bubba Caldwell. That motherfucker was going to win. Yeah. Like it was just, it was the crazy. And just because his want to was always there. Yep. Where you still had guys that were better athletes, but it just was his drive. It just, it really was insatiable. Um, 
there was another piece that I really enjoyed. And I have to tell, cause there's going to be no natural way for us to do it, but I have to get it in was when we had the opportunity as a walk-on community to beat a scholarship guy, it was so amazing. Yeah. And one of, and one of the first experiences I had of being like, we all got to be like proud dads that one afternoon. Cause like, it just, we're all each other's sons or whatever. Yeah. And it was when Guilford beats Mon and was it Mon and Chevy in a foot yeah. race? Yeah. They, Cause they did it after practice one day. They sure did. And it was, so it was like, you know, tons of shit talking. And the best part about Mike was that he didn't, he was happy to talk shit. Yeah. Like he would, cause it, cause that bastard had like a four, three, four, four, 40. Yeah, and you look at him, you're so he's like so unassuming and like uh -uh. everything. But then next thing you know, that dude takes off and he's just running away from everybody, like okay. And it just smokes these running backs that were big shit or whatever, and fucking smokes them. And it just was, I remember being like, whole holy shit. Dude, that day we were all so excited because I remember uh, Urban even got really fired up about it. He sure did. He was like, hey, we're going to find something for you to do. And, like, from that, I think he started getting, like, backup reps or, like, more serious reps on, like, special teams, like, stuff like that to, like, yeah. try to get him incorporated. And, like, everybody after that was just like, dude, th this is awesome for this guy. Like, because he had – it was it was almost like that was his one opportunity – and he yep. did with it exactly what he needed to do um, and took advantage of it. And then from that point on, not only did he earn all the players respect for that, but the coaches were all right there on with him. It was. It was really cool. And I think it's important. I've talked about it before, and we're going to talk about it right now again. It's, it's the chance man. You just <laughs> got to get your chance man, right? Like that, you got to get a chance man. And it's, it is, as a walk-on, you get one shot. It truly is. You get one opportunity and you cannot shit the bed because you will not get that other opportunity, not to that level again. Maybe you'll no. get a couple reps, but when they're like, when they put you on display, you have to be ready to capitalize on that shit. Um, otherwise it doesn't come back. It literally goes away and it never comes back. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. And that, that's how that and it was. <laughs> And that was so, and it was, it was so cool because it just, again, it was so unassuming and to have this long blonde haired white boy just fucking smoke these five, essentially like five star type running back dudes that were yeah. there. And I'm pretty sure both were hundred meter guys in high school too. Like they both ran track. Like I, I may be wrong on that, but Mike didn't care. <laughs> Mike did not care because again it just was that it was this air of like of just swagger because it was this element of you for me i wasn't gonna beat anybody in a foot race so for me it was like when it was like circle up drill it was like i want my name to be called 100 i want to get called so i can bang with a couple of the scholarship guys and prove my violence is more than theirs and that yeah. for sure was how I earned my got my black stripe off our freshman year in fall camp yeah. was was smashing on scout team and being a scout team hero un, unknowingly being a scout team hero and and smashing in the circle drill 
So it just was where, again, it was just that mentality where a couple of those dudes for sure were hoping that their name didn't called that their name didn't get called. And for me, just praying that my name did get called yeah. so that I could go in and just that, that mentality, same as those guys didn't, they wanted to race, but they didn't want to race. No, they didn't. They, <laughs> they had nothing to gain out of that. No, no. And Mike was ready to race. So, all right. So mentality, Tim, us coming in freshmen. So we get to the LSU game. Did you get to go ever and, and be padded at LSU? Not at LSU. I always went to that game, but um, never padded for it. But, like, you you could tell when those dudes walked on the field that they're, like, they are just different down there. Like, I don't know what they feed those guys. And I know they recruit nationwide, but, like, a lot of those guys from Louisiana, just absolute freaks. And you like you look at them, and you're like, "How's this guy not like 42 years old?" Well, yeah. And there and there was a there was only one other team that we ever played that I had the same feeling about. So you have awesome stories from like the quarterback perspective. Like I lived with all the linemen. Yeah. Right. So all my stuff is always going to be lineman based or like defensive based, and it was like the only team that I ever saw when we were with linemen that was like, just like, holy shit. Like we're all the same people, but this is, this is different. Like was when we played Michigan in 07. Yes. Like my God. Yeah, well, cause uh, Jake Long was on that. Long. Team. Mm -hmm. I remember. And I think they had another draft pick, but like you looked at, I, re I remember that too. Cause I remember standing there. I was at like the edge of our box and they were going in towards the scoreboard. And I just looked over and I'm like, Dude, like, there's a big ass dudes out here. Like, and we had big guys too. Like, if you, we had big guys too, but it was but nothing. They, they were different. It was like they're, I guess it was the Midwestern offensive line build. Yeah. It was and it is a different, it's a different style of play, right? For sure. Like, SCC ball was a smaller, faster ball. We were a smaller, faster team with running the spread. Like, you could tell recruiting wise, it was very specific. But like, the Pouncy Boys were 6'5. Yeah. You know what I mean? Six five, three, three fifteen. Yeah. I'm like talking that. like the average size of LSU's line that year was like six eight three fifty. Like it just was like, what the fuck? Like it just was they were so it was just they were so big. Yeah. And yeah. It just, and, then, just and then you coupled their their skill guys that they had around them too. Like for sure. Like they were all big dudes too. Like it, you know, if they had a short guy, he was rocked up. Like he was Oh, yeah. I yeah. mean, and and I think that year um in 06, uh Jamarcus Russell was our quarterback. And you talk mm -hmm. about another dude that was an absolute monster of a human being, and especially to play that position. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. And it was and how we lifted. So having perspective on how we lifted weights has been interesting. Because I remember when we were when we were in it, I never thought anything about it. It you wasn't until I was told and like that was know, it, right? You do this it. is gonna be good for you. You're like, <laughs> okay. And and you think your eyebrows go up in like 07 when like 15 dudes tear their ACLs. Yeah. Like it's like, oh, there's something here, like something's happened, or whatever. This is the worst luck in the history of humanity. But it was in 06, I remember it wasn't. 
I started kind of talking to some of the guys that I had played high school ball with that now we're like at Colorado and hearing how they were lifting. I just remember being like, well, that's weird. Like you guys just play obviously different style of football. We don't lift that way. And you guys lift like actually lift weights to, you know, like get bigger and get stronger. And I really, and so knowing this, right. Knowing how our style of lifting was, which was like just a tool for mental toughness was how we lifted. Yeah. It just was like, no, no, no. This is, this is just, it is mat drills with weights. Like that was, was, it was, it was an iron version of mat drills that we do. And we have, you know, you have the midnight lift, which was a fun version of the Valentine's day massacre. See, it's so funny that you say that. So since the show has come out, like people I work with or people I've worked with in the past have been like, Hey, it's like, Y'all go and left at midnight. I was like, yeah. But I was like, like that it was, was like, one time a year. Like, it was like, a, like, don't get me wrong. Like, we got our ass kicked in there. But it was more of like a. It was fun. Yeah, it was fun. It was. It was supposed yeah. to be. Like, you get dressed up. You wear war paint. Like, yeah. you just, you know, it's the it, everyone's getting crunk. It was not the Valentine's Day. Yeah, and, and that's what I would say. I was like, I was like, yeah, we, we did that. The midnight lift. That looked like it was brutal. They don't have any video of the St. Valentine's Day massacres that we would do. <laughs> Jesus, no. And, and we, I remember, and I'm telling people, being in that six o'clock lift, you don't know what you were walking into. Nope. You just know they have they have like the craft paper like up on the windows, right? And then they yeah. would put all the photos of the actual Valentine's Day massacre, whatever in Chicago, of all the dead bodies everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, and, and like when I tell people that, they're like, wait, they did what? <laughs> and I was like, dude, you walked into that workout and they were sometimes you could tell sometimes they were targeting who they were oh, going to push. And sure. especially if it was somebody new um, that they wanted to just kind of push and see what they had in them. Mm-hmm. But you knew at the end of that workout, like you might as well, like if you had a class after that, you weren't going because you couldn't walk to get there. Your legs, your whole like your whole body after that, you're just like you get done with that. You're like, I just want to eat, and I can't even do that right now. Do you remember having to walk off a curb? Like yes, curbs, I, like, like he was just like, oh, oh god, yeah. like, it's like I need I need a walker to get off the curb of the sidewalk to be able to cross the street to get to class. That and then like you go sit in your chair at class. And you're like gripping the desk as you're sitting down. You're like, oh yeah. You're like, why am I sitting down? Like, I am 80 years old right now. But oh like, yeah. But man. those times, like we talked earlier, and you know, you go through these hard times where you can now feel like you can survive anything. Mm-hmm. Those, that's one of those days where for sure. That's kind of what built that in you. Oh, w- without a doubt. And so that was what was so perfect when they have spikes just being like, they got us training like we're going to Iraq. And he's like, yeah. he's just like, I ain't come here for that. He's like, I came here to play football. And so, because I, rem- I remember spikes getting trapped in the leg press machine, mm-hmm. like not trapped, like he's stuck. I mean, he was stuck there. He wasn't allowed to leave. Yeah. I but like, that. They put him in there with whatever it was, a thousand pounds or whatever it was that he had to, to leg press. And I can't remember which coach had him in there, but man, they had him trapped in there. And I remember him like crying 
Yeah. Like being brought to tears, being stuck in there. Cause just like you said, they target a dude that they're just going to see what, how much chutzpah they've got. And I mean, spikes for sure was that first year. And I remember they brutalized him and all the yeah. clips are from the midnight lift where he's like struggling yeah. on fucking like row. And I'm like, Oh, that's, that's nothing. Like, that's like, that's hype uplifting. Like that's no, not, no, which, that's not torture lifting. Which I completely forgot about the rows, but those, they made those suck. Those bad. were gnarly. Cause remember the, like once you're toast, right. And then you got your, your negatives that you got to go through. Dude, it was <laughs> while we're talking about lifts, I'll never yeah. forget the developmental lifts. I think it was <laughs> the first Friday that we had, uh, I guess it was before there's UCF, uh, that we opened up with, yeah. And I remember you talk about like the corner of death, basically, of like the uh, wall sit area. Well, I remember you were partnered up with somebody, and while you were doing a wall sit your partner was pushing a rubber 45 pound plate across a rubber floor all the way around the weight room. You had to sit there in a wall sit, could not put your hands on your legs, could not stand up until they put that plate right back in front of you. And then you went and that was my rest. Yeah. However you want to look at it, right. You were either resting while sitting or you were resting while plate pushing. It was either one was your rest. And the whole time you're pushing that plate around, you're in the back of your head. You're just like, obviously you want to get it done, but you're like, dude, I got to get back. Like if we're part of like, I got to get back. Cause I want John to get up. Like I want to be fuck. Done. I'm fucking that guy. That guy's yeah. getting fucked right now. Cause coach Mark is right there. Right. Yes. I remember. Cause like coach Mark is there and he's like in your shit. Yeah. And I remember they would put the plates, put the plates on the dude's legs and then stand on the oh, plates yeah. and like Bayless or whoever would like walk across all the guys doing like wall sit or whatever. Yeah. It was, it was... I remember, <laughs> I remember that very specifically because I remember like my legs gave out and like I, w- I had, I never got motherfucked once I collapsed. Cause I would push myself till I would collapse quite like I, it happened several times. Mm-hmm. And I remember like I had earned enough respect from the strength staff, like that first year, that first year that we were in the weight room to where it was like, I remember a coach Mark was like, like my legs were, were like, it was Im- impossible for me to get back up. Like it was like the legs were having like involuntary movement. Yeah. And like, it was, I was done, done. I remember being like, perfect. You're done. You go over <laughs> there. It was like, it was just, I was, I was t- it was on that on that plate push wall sit combo. And it just was like, it was, I don't know who was my plate partner, but God, they were just took fucking well, yeah. forever. I've tried to block that all. I, I remember what <laughs> it was happened, you. It was you. You were the partner. <laughs> yeah. And that, that's actually the funny thing about this documentary is like, it, it's been more just like nostalgic for me because it's like, there's some things that I didn't like that I haven't remembered as much. But then it opens up a whole can of worms to like these workouts like this. Yeah. To where you're just like, you see the practice field and it's like, oh yeah, but do you remember what happened in the workouts before that or on that field, you know, a couple of days before or something like that? Oh yeah. Like it's, I don't think, I think I missed the opportunity to share it. So I'm going to share this story. So like, seeing like those types of stories Right. So there was the gator growl. 
So the yeah. Gator Growl happened every year, and it was always associated with homecoming. Yep. And so it was pretty dope. Like it was like it, they got like big names. Leonard Skinner came in one year. Did Steve Miller? Yeah, Steve Miller band came. I think the what I use is my first, it's my senior year. Your first senior year, I think. I did have two senior years. <laughs> hey, I did two, but I just did one of them academically. <laughs> And I'm waiting in line because I ultimately I'm not, I don't play until two. I don't really, really play until it's like 2008 and 2008 and 2009 were like, I become like starters on different teams. And I can't remember one of the years, like I actually like went, they put you in the track suit or whatever. And you're like on the stage for whatever. Um, and I think it was your senior year, right? So the senior year you get to go yeah. and be on the stage. That's what you were alluding to. Yeah. And one of the years I, one of the years we're in line to be able to go in or get tickets or something. And I'm in line with my family or whatever. And have you ever gotten that lower back gurgle that happens when it's like, I have to find a place to shit in 45 seconds. Yeah. If not, I'm, I'm done. And we're toast. Right. So we're backed up past the O-Dome where the practice field gates are right behind us. And it's, it's evening. Like there's no bathroom anywhere. And I'm like, I have 45 seconds to get somewhere. Like I have to find somewhere. And I'm like, and I know we have bathrooms on, in the field. Like you walk in the field right there to the side of the there's bathrooms. And the back, the gate is open by the baseball stadium. Yeah. So power walk there, get to the door. My God, it's open, whatever. Go to open the door to the bathroom is locked. So the bathroom is locked. And at that moment, my, I was at 43 seconds. So I take a shit on the practice field. Right. So I, I like grab the gate, shit in the practice field, whatever. And then that's, so that's that. <clears throat> Close, dodged a bullet. We go to the Gator Growl, see Leonard Skinner, whatever. Dude. <laughs> so this is, had to have been 07, right? This had to have been like 06, 07. Like this was early in the, in our career being there. And fast forward to 2008, maybe, to where I am now, um, traveling with the team and we're at one of the dinners where you're like at the um, hotel and you're at the dinner and sitting with the specialists. I think so it must've been 09 cause I'm sitting with the specialists. So this is now, and um, I tell the story and everybody is fucking dying. Right. Cause I've shit on the practice because you hate the practice. Field. Like it's just, there's nothing good about the practice, field. like I've shit yeah. on the practice field. Like it's like, that's, you know, it's whatever. And Bobby Kane goes, Oh my God. And I go, what? And he pulls up his phone. And he scrolls and he scrolls and he scrolls. And he goes, that's your shit. And I go, what are you talking about? And he goes, cause I think was it, was the dude that took care of the grounds. Was his name Smiley? Yeah, I think I can't so. Remember, there was a dude that was like, took care of the grounds and did an amazing job. Right. The field was in always an immaculate condition. And so I guess because the specialists were were always back in that corner where Smiley's main setup was, right? 
he was so appalled the next day that somebody had shit on the field that he had taken a photo of it and had, I guess, either sent it to Bobby or Bobby had seen it and took a photo of it. So we're talking like three years later, the story goes full circle to where he's like, you're the one that shit on the field three years ago. And I was like, oh my God. Like, and how about what are the like, chances that he actually? Why would and why that, would why he would he still have, have a photo shit on his phone? Bobby, upgrade your phone. Be like a normal goddamn human and upgrade your phone every two years. It's been three years since I shit on that field. You should not have that picture still. Oh, uh, so, <laughs> well, stories, stories of happening on the field. Well, mine does not come anywhere close to that. <laughs> and I told you this one. When we talked last week, I think it was, it goes with those workouts. I remember one, it was one of those first, I guess it was the first Friday workout because before the first home game. Yeah. And we work out at like 2.30 in the afternoon. Um, my story does not involve shit. I didn't, I didn't get Sorry, to that. Just, I got to preface that everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Poo is not related to this one. Uh, but I remember at the end of our workout, they had to sprint the stadium steps. But you, or not the steps, the actual bleachers. The bleachers, God bless. I remember doing that. After everything that we just talked about, like of dying in the weight room. And it was always like a leg blowout. They already like blew your legs out of the goddamn water. Yeah, they didn't care about your upper body on Friday. It was oh. all lower body. They wanted to make sure you could not comfortably, we're talking about shit, you couldn't comfortably go take a shit. Until Monday. Yeah, and uh, I remember I had eaten... Because um, I didn't eat dirt before workouts in the morning. Just I knew better. Sure. But I ate lunch that day, and I had a red Gatorade at lunch. And oh, I remember we were sprinting up these stadium steps, and I get like 10 rows from the top, and I just puke everywhere up there. Like not on the actual like bleacher seat, mm-hmm. but like right behind it, like where, wherever All you want. All the concrete. Yeah. Just – Everything I'd eaten for lunch, it was all dyed red. Uh, but Andrew's dying. Blaylock is puking blood at the top <laughs> of the stadium. Well, he's got six more stadium steps to run. So yeah, no, he needs to finish that. And it's funny you say that because I'm pretty sure right after I did that, they like let me catch my breath for a minute. They're like, oh, yeah, you still have the rest. Yeah. Yeah. Still got going. But ever since I did that, I always think about the next day, like, did the strength staff ever tell anybody, hey, somebody <laughs> threw up in there? So, and like, there's so much other stuff going on in the concourse, all that stuff. Yeah. Would anybody walk through the student well, cause, section? Because it also was way, wasn't it way up there? Or were we yeah, on, were I, you I on the student row section? 80 out of, out of 90. And the only reason I know that there's 90 because you had to remember how many rows there were so that you knew how close you were getting to the top. And because you're running the, the 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 benches, like the opportunity to eat just mad shit was oh. so high. I remember yes. so much anxiety of having run up those steps of just being like, I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die. Yeah, and I can't run up steps in my house without tripping. So like I can't believe that I, I would do that. And I just remember thinking about it. I'm like, you know, I I didn't think about it then, but like I, I thought about it after. I'm like, what did that person's like in those <laughs> Two rows and the rows behind when they walk to the game, like, like did they yeah. smell that? Like, did they just get there and be like, oh, like, did somebody already throw out? Like, <laughs> and, and somebody went hard. 
hard it's before really the enough in the season. It's been baking in the sun. Oh yeah. The next day, because we would have played at night the next night. Like, mm-hmm. but I was thinking about that. I'm like, nobody probably did anything to clean that up. And the fact, like that grounds crew uh, guy, Smiley, he may have shoveled that up, but it may have sat there for a week before Smiley was like, "What is this awful smell that's out here?" <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't. You wouldn't assume there's a big pile of of shit over in the corner by the door. Yeah. No, it was um, so lots of those, lots of those stories. Um, it when it comes to the workout, so so they do show. So this is where we get to the uh, episode part of the episode where a uh, B side kind of lays out the fact that it's what is the tone that's being set by the seniors, right? Mm-hmm. What is the tone that's being set by the guys? And so they showed everybody doing like. Um, you know, A's and V's and the frogs and like the ab stuff. Dude, I had forgotten how miserable that was. Yeah, and you know what really pissed me off watching that video? Is is you see Bubba Caldwell just sitting there, sipping water, just relaxing, doing all that. While I knew I was doing everything in my mind not to put my feet on the ground, so I did not get my ass kicked after that. For sure. That dude looked like he was just on a beach just – chilling and i'm like no my stomach and his stomach look slightly different just a little just a little bit different yeah no it was those were things were miserable and we always did them like it just was like it was always a part of of our workout and um and so Tyler's talking about the idea where like a freshman running back putting his feet down i can't remember who that would have been i don't either i don't remember who it was now that I do remember there being a time in the weight room or at one of the workouts, like it was like weight room to outside where you had to like do sprints or something in the off season. So you like, you do a session in the weight room and then you're outside, like in the stadium doing wind sprints or whatever. And, um, Wilbur was not putting his hand behind the line. And so at this time, Wilbur was like a junior, you know what I mean? Like he was, he was, he was the starting, he was an established player. And um, I think it was Harvey. So I think it was one of those things where like it was Wilbur wouldn't put in his hand behind the line. And I think it was like, and he had an edge to him, right? Wilbur loved to talk shit and um, and he wouldn't put his hand behind the line. They have to do it again. They have to do it again. <laughs> Harvey just walked up and just fucking knocked him out. Just punched him right in the goddamn face. So when Siler tells that story, it's like, oh yeah, like that shit happened all the time. Oh, hundred percent. And especially with like the dudes that were on that team mm-hmm. and how competitive they all were. Like if you had the, if, and I never wanted to be that guy. You might have started it. Like no. if you're on and you made him start over, you might as well just get up and walk out of the way. Pack your shit. Say, hey. Like <laughs> it, it was fun while I was here. Yeah, it was that was real though. I remember being, and that was always what just floors me of just like it's like the gall and the audacity of just like this idea of like it's as a scholarship guy, it's like, what do you mean, no? Like, what does that phrase mean to you? Like, I don't understand. Like, it's what do you mean? Like, the coach said, put your hand on my line. I, I remember just being so confused by the idea of like we're going to question or wonder why we have to do this or just not do it at all. For the sake of just what being a cunt 
Like I don't, I, like I don't, I don't understand it whatsoever. And then when they get called on the like, I, it is so vivid. Papello getting punched in the face because I was with yeah. the lineman oh, yeah, and Papello got his face broken, and it's just like sweet Jesus. This stuff is like it's it's so not fucking around. Like it's not fucking around at all. Like it's yeah. zero fucks. And so it just was. Yeah, as a walk on, your only goal in life was just not to have anyone realize that you exist. <laughs> like it was like yeah. you wanted so to exist. Drive everything <laughs> and just be behind the scenes. Nobody realizes I'm doing all the things I'm supposed to be doing. Like it well, just was, yeah. Well, it, and it's funny you say that because like working in football, this is my 13th year doing it. Yeah. And every year, like these walk-ons come in more entitled every year. And, and I tell them, I'm like, look, I was walking myself. Like, I, I know it sucks. I know what you're about to go through and what you're going through. I know it sucks. But don't be brought up for anything other than doing a good job. If you're brought up for not wearing what you're supposed to wear, missing class, missing workouts, any of that stuff, like you're going about this the whole wrong way and your time is going to be absolutely miserable. Like, do not ever, and you'll be cut faster than anybody will ever be cut. And it's like, some people just don't, like, maybe it's still, it was just like instilled in us to not mess up like that. But I I just don't understand sometimes where it's just like, you're a walk-on and now, like, you're trying to speak out, like, just don't talk. (laughs) Take your ass ripping and just say, Hey, I'm good. We'll we'll carry on. Oh yeah, it it was absolutely crazy, and um, and it was those guys. So again, I was I was on the defensive side of the ball, and I was came in as a defensive lineman, and so I then because I was a defensive lineman, I then did scout offense. Mm-hmm. I think that that was the right. I think that was right. So I was running scout O. And if Guilford was Scout O quarterback, what were you doing for Scout? Well, me and him split. He'd go in, and I'd go in when the twos went in, and I'd be out of receiver some as well. My slow ass. (laughs) Putting the shakes on Reggie Reggie Nelson and Reggie Lewis back there. Absolutely. Yeah. And Ryan Smith. (laughs) Yeah. Well, funny story about Reggie Nelson. I remember uh, it was like – the first day we're in full pads um, of fall camp. And I was down there. I'd, I'd help throw to the DBs just because um, Heater couldn't throw to the D, like couldn't throw D balls and stuff like that. To sure. him. So I, I'd go down there and throw. And I remember I messed up a throw to him. And he was pissed because obviously, like, he's – this is – it was it ended up being his last year, but um, I'm some new freshman. And I, and I, I messed up one of his reps because I made a bad throw. Well, I remember we were doing like they were just doing like an, an angle, like thud okay. tempo uh-huh. type deal. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> I, re- I remember it so vividly. I, like we're down, like facing that road, and I'm running to the left, and they're supposed to just come like pick you up, just yeah. thud yeah. up. This dude <laughs> picks me up and then just does one of these. And puts me into the dirt. He doesn't say anything after it. Of course. And I'm just like, 
I know what that was for. I get it. I get it. And you know uh, what? I didn't blame him because oh, I fucked it up. I, I messed up one of his reps. Yep. And did I want that to happen? <laughs> did no, I, I did not. Did, was I wanting this to be the, my situation? No. And it's not like he just like ran through me to like no. make it, but he just made his point. Like he didn't say anything, but because just, because he could have put you in the hospital. Oh, 100%. Like, Reggie, like, he erased dudes. Yes. Like, like that- it was his his headhunting ability was – Major right, absolutely right. Like, that 08 game, he hits the fuck out of that guy. But I still, to this day, like, Reggie now, I think – I want to – my memory serves me right. Like, that, that Tennessee game in 06, how we end episode one here in the series is – in that game, I think Reggie hits some hits a receiver for Tennessee so hard that he spends overnight in the hospital. Uh, no, it was LSU. It was, was that LSU. LSU game? He, hit, he hit on their sideline because I remember Urban bringing it up the next day in the team meeting and him having the laser pointer sitting there going like that, like just circling it. They're like, look, look at this guy. It was so violent. Like I mean, it was like it was the most violent hit that like like it was it was shockingly violent. How hard he was able to hit because he was so small and he was so fast and just fucking fearless. And he also had ball skills, which is incredible because I've never seen somebody play middle middle of the field safety and be able to get to both sidelines like he could. Like that dude, like. I think it was – it may have – this one may have been Tennessee that he made a pick along yeah. the sideline where he got, like, helicoptered. Yep. It was either Tennessee or Florida State, maybe. I don't remember. Well, he, he he ends – I think he ends that game. Like, we don't talk – that was what was really crazy. Again, being uh, – starting primarily as a defensive guy, the lack of defense in the series was shocking. Yeah, and it's – and the lack of mention of, like – so, like, our offenses were really good at that point. But our defenses were also incredible at that point. Like, it was – I remember one year being down on Scout O. This was – it was either 07 or 08. And uh, I remember the scout team coaches just – like, or the, the GAs. The GAs were, like, getting after us and uh, about how hard Tennessee runs the ball downhill, like – Hey, offensive line, like y'all have to be physical. Like you've got to do this. So yeah. like we would break off a run for like eight yards, and like we'd all celebrate on it because it was a good run for us, yeah. right? And then or we break off another one. And I remember after that game on Saturday, I think Tennessee rushed for two yards, mm-hmm. and the GAs came up to the whole scout team O and they said y'all rushed for more yards than Tennessee did against our defense, and that was it. But like. That was just like the mentality that everybody had on scout team. Like it didn't like you didn't want to piss off the guy in front of you, mm-hmm. but you knew at the end of the day, like you had to do that, or else one you would get ripped for it. Yep. Two, at, like it was national championship or bust for us, and you knew if you didn't do that every week, then it wasn't going to be the best thing for us. It was a it was a motherfucker. It was a, a stark contrast. I'll tell you too, where it was playing scout O line was so different than playing scout D line. 
Oh, yeah, I, I bet. Like, Scout O-line was the defensive lineman just handled you. So they just dealt. You you gave it, everything you had, and the defensive lineman just handled it, especially that o, those 06 dudes. Yeah. Like, it just was like, they were so next level. Steve yeah. Harris and Joe Cohen and Ray, Ray McDonald, McDonald. And, and Jarvis Moss. And, like, it just was... And what's hard. scary about that is you still had Derek Harvey that was a backup that year. And, and it was, yeah. So just you, you had these dudes that were animals. And when I'm talking about like, and, and Earl and, and Brian, Sider, like, it's just like that front seven just was so wicked. And yeah. um, they just handled you. Like they, they didn't, they didn't try and cripple you. Like Joe didn't, Joe could have removed your upper body from your lower body. Like if he wanted to. Like Joe Cohen was so big and strong and, yeah. and yet you could just go, you just went. And then there was never a time where it was just like, dude, you're going too hard. And I cannot tell you how often we got bitched at on the scout defensive line side for going too hard. Like it's, I, I told the, the story in, in, in the, my intro episode for, for the podcast where it was like Derek Miller would just had had enough of me as a scout defensive lineman of going too hard. And just the play is over and just fucking just slams me into the ground and just fucking like just Donkey Kong smashes me like multiple times into the ground and just was like, well, he had a lot to say. Oh, like yeah. It was the okay. opposite of it was the opposite of Reggie's story for you. Like it just was like and it just that I was like, oh, my God, like it just was it was so brutal. But it was it was such a thing of like, you're going too hard. You know, he's like, he's like, oh, it's easy, 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 easy. It was, it was so much of that on that but, side. But you, but here's the, here's the problem though, especially for you on that. Mm-hmm. You knew that if you didn't do that, then Adazio was going to be ripping you. And like, and Adazio was obviously one of the best coaches been around, like good head coach after that, like, I'm surprised that his head coaching career didn't pan out better than it did just because that dude was tough. And like, he was tough. He knew what he wanted. But you knew at the end of the day that if you were doing what you were supposed to do, that mm-hmm. that dude was going to be breathing down your neck and yelling at you. And you would much rather have a player do that than him do that. 100%. And, and I hated Steve Adazio. Like, it's taken me a long time of distance to appreciate Adazio for where he was and what he did. And mainly, and I tell the story with, with um, Pintado, but it was like, I had a very specific interaction with him of him telling me how unathletic I was and how I didn't belong on the kickoff return team. And so that's when I made it my personal vendetta to injure every member of his kickoff return team until I became the starter. You can hang on to that story. Uh, You can find that in episode four of our of of these companion episodes i do I go into great depth and it was pretty funny because just because it was anyway i'm not gonna tell the story again yeah it's coming no, no, enjoy no. enjoy yeah, that story no. but for sure it was it was just that fine it was that fine line but it was it was this pride that existed for scout team where it wasn't just you weren't just a piece of shit that had an orange jersey mm-hmm. it really was and this is where like chris kind of had a different feeling about the 06 rings for him personally. And for me, it was like, I don't, I don't have less pride for those 06 rings 
where it's yeah if i look at the 08 ring like i i i played and i was in those games and stuff like that but it's like dude i i worked so fucking like we worked so goddamn hard on this out team in 06 of like just going against those dudes and grinding and especially once we got into bowl week like we're, we're, we're jumping ahead but it's just this idea of like it just was the work was real like the pain yeah. was real that we put in like it just was like for sure it wasn't like oh i didn't play like i i never felt that emotion no i i didn't either and that was like that's the crazy thing is and you even um i i went to the 06 reunion i wasn't able to make the 08 one but it was interesting yeah. with, with the 06 one it's like you go there i hadn't seen some of these guys for a really long time yeah and obviously like all the guys that, you know, all the scholarship guys, you know, they played and played and then, you know, they talked to you and stuff like that. And they're like, I'm like, yeah, you know, I, I was there. Like, they're like, no, like what you guys did on scout team was huge for us. Like, and that's like, cool. I feel like there's so much more of an appreciation now from like the, the guys on the other side of it than there yeah. was back then. For like, sure. Back, back then it was, it was all this Fairbanks dude is going too hard. Like what's he doing? Like, I'm, I'm just trying to get through practice. Right now, it's like they look back at that and they're like, "Yeah, like I, I appreciate that. Like that's which actually like makes you feel slightly better for going through all that." For oh, for sure, oh, without a doubt, dude. Like I went to the '08. Was the LSU game? Was the '08 game? I think for in 2018. I think I went into the 2018 um, reunion where we came back. And probably the same thing for 06 or whatever, but I I think I came back to the 08 one with the family. Yeah. And for sure. Like it was, it was, it was shocking. Like the the emotions and conversations that happened between the scholarship guys and us. Yeah. At that, at that, where it was just like, oh. It just was like, because again, the the stress that was on those dudes then is unfathomable for the rest of us. Well, and that, and that's the crazy thing is, is like it's funny. Like I, I think with my job now, like it, working in recruiting, like my job depends on the decisions that 18 to 22 year olds make every day. <laughs> oh Jesus. Boy, like like when you start thinking about that, <laughs> but like you, when you flip it on the other side of that, and especially when you think about those years, you know, that we were there, think about the pressure that was put on all these guys to perform how they were supposed to perform. Like that. It, it was not just a, hey, let's go out and play football. It wasn't that. It was like, hey, we're going to go out and we're going to impose our will and we're going to win. If we don't do that, then that's on us. It's not on the other team. Like, it's it's our fault that that didn't happen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And just it was it was so much. And it just was, yeah. It's, it is to hindsight is, is so huge as we look back at this and it, you mentioned something um, of like things that we forget. And it's for sure. Like as we go through people are very frustrated with, with the series, right. They're frustrated that the Swamp King series didn't go deeper in some areas or whatever it was. And it was a fluff piece. And, but for truly for me, it just was like, it's nice to remember like it just oh, is those because it get because again it's CTE is very real, yeah. So it just is like it's like you know, I I don't have like it just I don't have those memories like you said it's either and I don't think it's not it's not like a, a psychosomatic like I've I've blocked them and repressed the memories right. It just is it's like it's just it's so much has happened like it just I don't have and then when you see those clips you're like oh that 
that's right. Like I was talking to Pintado, we got stuck talking for 20 minutes about the pit in practice. <laughs> you know what dude, I mean? Like it's just stuff like that where it's like, I haven't even thought about that in so long. Dude, I have, I don't know if I can bring it up on here. If it'll well, even now, be. Now, we, now you have to bring it up. No, well, like it's a picture. It'll probably be blurry because I want my oh. computer screen. But there's a picture from the 09 fall camp of Frazier pushing a big, uh, not a medicine ball, but one of those big red balls that, like, basically they would use to, like, practice getting off cuts, stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, yep, yep. He's pushing that with his head in the pit. So, I don't... oh my gosh, in the sand. That's awesome. And that's at Southwest, too. Yep. So, it did appear. So if you are listening right on Spotify, this is a video. These are video episodes. So if you go over to Spotify or go over to YouTube, you can watch and see Andrew and I's lovely faces. And and Andrew did just show a photo of a Gator football player but, pushing a very large ball with his helmet. His face. I'll randomly send that to him. Fortunately, <laughs> I never got in the pit. The only time I got hurt twice, I hurt my back my sophomore year. And had to get surgery for that, but that was not pit worthy, obviously. Well, was, you had surgery on your back? I don't remember that. Yeah, I did it. I did it squatting. I did it on um it was when we went to the um like the Tuesday, the Wednesdays were recovery days. So Tuesdays was heavy mm -hmm. legs. Yeah. I remember we were just warming up on squat and I went down and felt a pop on Tuesday. Didn't think anything of it, just kind of like kept going, like it hurt all that stuff. I felt some numbness and stuff, but um, like made it throughout the week. And like Friday where, you know, those like little hurdles that we go over like for warm up. Yep. yep. The orange ones. Every, every time I go over that and push off my left leg, like I literally felt like I was going to fall on my face. I had no power. Like I couldn't do a calf raise. Like I couldn't do anything. Man. And so initially they were like, yeah, we're just going to get you an MRI. Like see what's going on. We'll give you some shots. You'll be good to go. Like all that. And yeah. I'm like, Cool. I'll, I'm fine with that. Uh -huh. Or, or no, that's initially was they give me shots and then they got my MRI and they were like, yeah, we're going to do surgery next week. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you do? Uh, I had a herniated disc in my L5 and S1. And they're doing surgery. Yeah. And so I had, like, I think it was a micro discectomy is what it's called. And, uh, yeah, so I had to like rehab all through that, but was never in the pit for that because obviously, well, yeah, I'm not gonna say obviously, but that's not pit. Like pit, pit is like it's like you double checking if you're being a bitch or not. Yeah, you you sprain your ankle and you're trying to yeah. get out of practice. Right. It's like you want to get out of practice. Here you go. This yeah. will be fun for you. <laughs> right. And uh, but yeah, I never got in, and I, like I sprained my MCL, and they never put me in there because. I was able to still practice at least with it, but right. seeing some of those guys and what they did, I remember <laughs> with the pit, um, man, what's, there was a spring game where they had our players carry weights and they were walking them up the stadium steps while the spring game was going on while there's fans in the stands. Oh my God. I can't remember what year it was. I don't remember. It sounds like an 07 thing. Cause that yeah. was like the kind of shit that they make us do in 07. <laughs> like 07 was the torture year. Like that well, was the year to get tortured. Well, you remember like, so 
we had to run the amount of stadiums of games that we lost. Oh, yeah. And so after 06, we snaked the stadium one time, which mm-hmm. not an easy task. Nope. Just one of them. More oh, than enough. Oh, seven. I remember going through, and, and, and this is where in Swamp Kings did I wish they would have dove more into this with the Georgia game. For they sure. showed Georgia dancing in the yeah. end zone. And I remember thinking when that happened that, they, like, first off, they don't show that till episode four. Like, they like bury the lead in 07. Like, they let the entire episode three go through. And yeah. it wasn't until you get to episode four that we start with those Jagoffs dancing on the field. Yeah, which I'm surprised that a brawl didn't happen. Oh, yeah. That's what Pintado said, too. Yeah. Well, especially with our team. But I just remember having to snake the stadium four times that year. And it was. Oh, it was terrible. Speaking of injuries. So, again, it's it, I, I missed the opportunity to talk with Chris about this because injuries didn't come up. So I'll share it here. Is So I had multiple surgeries on this hand. And um, when I did kickoff return in the Florida State game, I, I was the middle wedge, right, for kickoff return. <clears throat> and I had come back and made contact with what it was that my thumb had gotten caught right, had gotten caught in like in the jersey of somebody and had been essentially pulled away from the hand enough that and it hurt. It hurt real bad. And so and so I go through the rest of that game in 09 and I'm the long snapper and my thumb really hurts, like really, really hurts. And so you I have to need that to snap too. I kind of need it. So like I figure out like on the sideline, with Chaz that like I can I can move the thumb on the back of the ball so you're like almost like suicide gripping the ball mm-hmm. and I can just then snap that way and um I get to class like that next week and I go to write and I can't physically pinch the pen like with the thumb so I can't hold the pen so I have to write like with the pen wrapped around my fingers right and I remember going to the training room and I'm being like so there's a problem with my thumb. Like, not only does it hurt really bad, but like, watch this. If I would go to hold a football like this, the thumb would just go loose and the ball would fall out of the hand. So I physically couldn't hold the ball like this because this thumb didn't have any like tension here. Yeah. And I'm like, there's a problem here. It's like, nope. It just, it looks like, you know, we looked at it, whatever they, I, you know, did whatever they did. Like, yeah, it just looks like you have really bad tendonitis. I'm like, okay. Tendonitis, tendonitis it is. <laughs> and so this is my senior year, right? Like this is the end. This is it. So for me, it's like, I'm the starting snapper, KOR, whatever it is. So it's just, just like, well, um, I can't tape it because I got to be able to snap. Yeah. So it kind of just is like, just really fucking hurts back. Like it just really hurts. So I then snap and do KOR for the SEC championship game. And then we snap and do KOR for um, the Sugar Bowl game against Cincinnati. So as soon as we get done, so they make you sign the papers when you're done. Mm-hmm. Saying like, you're not hurt. We don't do owe you anything. Goodbye. Like it's the end of your career. And they bring me in to sign the papers. I'm like, well, I can't sign this. It's like, my thumb really fucking hurts (laughs) and i'm like i still and to that day i still couldn't i couldn't hold a pen i just gotten really good now of just writing just holding on 
with my index and my middle finger to be able to write in class, like my thumb yeah. was not working. And um, it was almost like at that moment that I said that it was like, oh yeah, we ha you have to get surgery. I was like, what? They're like, yeah, you just you tore all your shit. It's just all it's just all in there. So it ended up being like this super complex fucking surgery where I just essentially had torn the thumb from the hand. And like they had to like surgically like drill holes in the base of my wrist and like take a tendon like from my forearm to refeed through. And I mean, it was like it was serious. It was like seriously fucked up. I remember just being like, God damn it. This is why I said such mean things about AP in my last speech. Like this is this is the reason. I don't feel bad about this anymore. My thumb still hurts. <laughs> it still still hurts motherfucker so yeah so that was talking about injuries so all right so we go back to the episode it is the defenses are just totally are ballers right they're ballers in 06 and um i loved the fact that spikes they spend some time with him kind of being in the shadows and discouraged about not playing yeah and they and he shares the feeling where it's like it's i'm waiting for you to make a mistake and when you do, you'll never get your job back. And I think that this does not get talked about enough, like in professional sports or in college sports or this aspect where it's, we're all brothers and we're all suffering together and we all are very much united in a common purpose. But we want each other jobs. Well, 100%. Like, and that's the thing, like you take a day off, you do anything somebody else is coming in and get your job. Yeah. And like, especially there with how competitive that entire team was, mm -hmm. you knew across the board and especially with that 06 class with how talented they were in their, their mindset that if you slacked off or you missed any type of action, they knew that they were going to go in and make the plays that needed to be made to win yeah. the game and like and they knew that it was going to be their spot after that not yours oh yeah like it, 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 it and that mentality because um young guys got their shot on special teams yeah so because Meyer put such a um a premium on special teams work that a lot of times that's where freshman ballers five stars are coming in it's like you're not like it's if, if you're a running back or a wide receiver, if you can't block, we're not throwing you the ball. Right. So you need to prove that you can make the block on the backside for the QB and that you can block the edge. And then we'll throw you the ball. And in the same breath, it was if you can go on kickoff, if you can go on the punt team, if you can go and do these things, so you have some of the most freakish athletes on like the special teams unit. Yeah. that are playing these these key positions and like i i swear i don't see that anywhere else or have seen that type type of thing done no now nowadays it's you your core teamers aren't your starters and you know you can say anything that you want to say to some of these guys playing you know that want to play at the next level but there's not a desire to play special teams. And it's, but 
you knew there if you wanted to make the if you wanted to play you had to play special teams because remember special teams was urban's baby oh yeah all about special teams Mm -hmm. and that's where that stemmed from and those dudes i mean they never got remember what a psychopath coop was on the kickoff unit yeah like my god running down the field and making tackles like that's the wide receiver yeah who looks like a tight end (laughs) who looks like a tight end like just another dude that's just freaky but he also he knew that if he was running down on kickoff, he he wanted to murder you. Like if you had the ball and you were the kick returner, he wanted to murder you. Like that, and that was a the whole mindset of that kickoff team too. For sure. If you had the ball and you you wanted to return it against that team, you were going to get punished. Oh yeah. The best part was like the punt, um, like the the black unit for pump block those are pump block unit mm-hmm. that's wasn't the starting defense so if black got called it was like savages and psychos went out there yeah so it was like the defensive lineman came out like it was like pl- the starters came out and then like asylum breakers went out so it was stuff it was like you know i feel like it was like it was Cade holiday and soren it was like these dudes that were just like no 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 we'll run through a goddamn wall to and, go block this kick and we don't care if we block it we'll open it up for jeff dimps or chris rainey to come through and block it right oh yeah like it's, your only job is to make a hole and i remember that was like how tradow and those dudes i think that was like what that was one of the first gigs that they really got where it was just like, we're going to take the guard, we're going to take the tackle, and we're just going to fucking obliterate them at the line so that Rainey can run right up the gut and go and go block the kick and go score. Like yeah. it just was, it was shocking. Just the, the, again, that level that we put, that premium that we put on special teams of putting ballers in there. And, um, and those jobs were equally sought out because they were so directly tied to you getting reps at receiver, at, yeah. cor- at corner, at linebacker, at whatever it was. If you wanted to play as the core 11, you had to earn your way. So special team spots were just as sought out. Yeah. It, and it was a premium. Like you it was. had to do it. For, for me, it was I the very first position that I got to play and get starting time in 08 was the rocker position on field goal. This is not a position you want to have. That's what it the, is. Where, you know where you talked about being in the circle, doing the circle drill earlier and wanting that contact? Uh-huh. That is not where you want the contact. You want them to no. rush the other side. And that's the only time that you're like, you know what? It I may be it. Newell on the other side. Hey, Newell, man, I hope they come at you. They got you, brother. Thanks for taking that one. It, it was brutal because you just put yourself on a cross and get run over. And yet it was – I would have been willing to kill someone to get that spot. Yeah. And so I was so hungry for it. And sure as shit, Hobbs gets hurt. Hobbs has a trick knee. His knee gets hurt. Hobbs goes out. And literally my mentality was I'm waiting for you to make a mistake because when you do, you will never get your job back. 
Because for me, it just was like, I will never screw up. I will die before I make a mistake. Yeah. And it just was. And so then he never got that spot back. He never made it. Because for me, it was it was so much more than just taking a rock step and just getting my fucking hand, like face smashed by three Kentucky players 15 times in that game because we decided to score over 100 points or whatever it was. Yeah, you're like, hey, guys. Like, come on. There's... There's another guy. He's over there. He's way <laughs> bigger. He's built like a fucking marionette. Like, go hit him. Like, it's you don't need to keep in it. Nope, they didn't listen. They just kept bringing it. But the reality was that's how passionate it was, even for those gigs that were shitty. And that it was like the competition was just that fierce. Um, were you on the field for the South Carolina kick? I wasn't, but I was there, and I remember. I remember thinking that that is the loudest I have ever heard a stadium. Yeah. I remember um, my, my brother actually came down for that. And that was, um, you know, one of those earlier, you get one ticket for yourself, one for somebody else. Yeah. And uh, I remember being up there for that. And I just remember being so anxious during that because there was such that whole week, there was such a buildup of Spurrier coming back Spurrier. to Gainesville. Yep. And, not and I didn't probably knew it at the time, but I had forgotten that Flor- that South Carolina had beaten Florida the year before. Mm. So when yeah. I watched this episode, it reminded me of that and how big of a deal it was that yeah, they said it was like first time since Spurrier, like like Spurrier had beat them as the quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. And and I didn't realize, and again, I I'd forgotten that South Carolina beat Florida the year before. Yeah, yeah, and I just remember that week. There's just extra. There's a little bit extra edge on it, and just there was just a bigger buzz on campus. There's always a buzz during the fall, but that week with Spurrier coming back, I just remember that there was a huge buzz on campus, and I just remember when that ball was kicked, and then you see the deflection off of uh, Moss's hand, just yeah. the pure pandemonium that ensued after that, and it was just unbelievable like the loudest i don't know if they ever put anything on the richter scale from that i would love to know where that registered yeah it was so the the again brain trauma is real my memory is watching that from home (laughs) until we're watching yeah yeah, you're on there and i'm on the field and i'm on the field so I'm like, I remember everybody talking about how loud this was. Like, it was like, the, I'm sure it was like, I'm sure it was super loud. Like, it's too bad. I wasn't there. Like, I remember just kind of like being, you know, like at home watching it. <laughs> and then it makes the block. And then I see me with a bunch of dudes yeah. like in a big pile. I'm like, Oh, Oh shit. There I am. Look at it me. It was loud. <laughs> it was. Well, then it was, it was super loud. You're right. It was the loudest that I've ever heard. You're right. Because for me, the loudest that I have a memory of was LSU at home a couple of years later where Percy, the ball gets underthrown. The ball gets underthrown to Percy and then the guy pops it up just enough and then he catches it and scores. And I remember running out onto the field, like feeling it in my heart like the amount of volume and being like, I can't think it's yeah. so loud. 
Like the pop was so loud. And so that's what I remember being the loudest ever uh, because clearly I remember watching the uh, South Carolina game from home. Yeah, while I was there, but I'm like, it was, it was like the same as like everyone gets. It's like, like, oh, like I saw you on things. Like I know I saw me too. Yeah, I saw me. Yeah, it, was it was amazing to me that I was there. <laughs> the the only game that I actually think, as a whole game compared noise wise, was the Miami game in a way. That game, I thought that game was so loud. Um, that year, just constant. It was fun having Miami come. Like it was having, like it, we had, we played UCF. We ever play USF? I don't think we did well. We were there. So it just was like being able to have these, get, you know, have in-state teams come was was awesome. And I'm ignoring kind of Florida State, like from from the conversation. But it well, was like we we helped get a couple of kickers drafted from there during our time, our defense did. <laughs> Now all they could do is kick field. I think 06 was the only time they really scored touchdowns. Otherwise, they just kicked field goals. So speaking of field goal kickers, there was a piece where it didn't make sense where they can only fit so many things in to make drama. Do you remember the fact that Chris Hetland could not score a fucking field goal in 2006? Yes. And then championship game, straight money. Like right down the cock. Like he was making everything. And I'm. it was like, it was huge. It was huge. Yeah, he and it was like I felt so bad for him because, like we talked about earlier, the pressure on these guys and especially mm-hmm. that position, like oh yeah, um, he he had struggled throughout the year some and people wanted his head, <laughs> and but then he went out in the national championship game and it was like, all right, cool, mm-hmm. I, I I hear you guys, but here I am in the biggest game of the year. It was awesome. And and at that point I wasn't like kickers are near and dear to my heart because I ended up becoming a long snapper and spent time with that psychotic bunch. And, but like just knowing what they're like, I could, I could not have imagined like to have Caleb struggle to that level. Now Caleb got hurt. Yeah. Try to deal with him being injured and stuff. Then, and then having our punter apparently come in and you now he's kicking. Who but, had a game winner against Georgia? <laughs> what? Who? He did? I snapped that game winner and then I lifted him up and got in a lot of trouble in the locker room for lifting him up. Anyway, <laughs> I, got, I got in so much trouble. It's like, who lifted up Chaz? Who lifted him up in the air? I'm like, I don't know. I don't yeah. know who did that. Well, we better find him. <laughs> oh, it was awesome. But it was like, but it was, I couldn't imagine having a kicker. Like it just, it's, it's such a mental part of the game and have them just not be on cannot make anything well and and you hate to like stereotype but specialists and specifically kickers are a little bit more on um the mental side of things like they get in their head so much more than any other position and but because you don't because well to defend them it's you get only so many shots correct so it's like as a quarterback, you can go what ten for fifteen and be like, "Oh, it's great." If you miss five field goals, <laughs> yeah, we've got a problem. No doubt. If you go ten for fifteen as a kicker, everybody's like, well, like "Yeah, this guy whoa, sucks. This guy's gonna get fired." Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, and and that's the thing, like, and especially with kickers, just in general, it's mm-hmm. all about who's hot at the time. 
And For like sure. when you look at the league, like it, it just goes through rotations like that. But you got to think about it. Like it's not just down to the kicker. And you know this too, like snapping. Mm-hmm. Snap's got to be good. The hold's got to be good. A hold just slightly off of their spot can mess up the entire trajectory of the kick. Oh, yeah. And yeah, the kicker, the kickers has so there's so much mercy that a kicker is at to for the snapper and then the holder to do their job. And then the kicker has to then come in. Yeah. Like he's uh, at such mercy. Cause for me, it's I can control the laces. So right. I can control where the laces land when I snap. So it is my job to make sure that Chaz doesn't have to touch it. The ball comes to him. He literally sets the ball down so Caleb can just kick. Like that is the sequence. But every once in a while, those laces will be off. And then you have to be able to make literal microsecond decisions. And Chaz was stellar. He was a stellar holder. He was really good. And I did okay at long snapping, right? Nobody knew who I was, which meant I did my job. Yeah, which is a good thing. (laughs) Like the goal was you don't want to know my name at all. You want to completely ignore it so that Caleb can just do his. And um, yeah, it would just be brutal because Smitty was a great long snapper. Yeah. He was. He truly was a great long snapper. So you know that it's not the snap. It's probably not the hold, right? Butchie was the same holder, right? Like it just was like yeah. he was consistently holding. So it just is, oh, it would be brutal because it would be a thing where you'd be. I'm, and I remember too, the same way that they did, com- they were always like competing for the, um, for like quarterbacks or competing. And it's like going back and forth or whatever in practice. It was, it did the same thing with the kickers. Yeah. Like I remember, you know, Nappy is kicking. And so Chris is always at risk of losing his job every week. Very tough. That's a very hard thing to do. And again, not something that made it into the. And that's so much more one kick oriented. Whereas, like, of course, you go out and throw a pick, you're probably going to have another chance to come back Mm -hmm. and throw again to kind of redeem yourself. No, you keep throwing picks. (laughs) It's it's, But it's going to take a longer time. For sure. Whereas kickers, they're like, okay, we'll we'll just put somebody else in. Yeah. But that was, I think that was one of the um, best things about that championship game is the fact that like the first time that he went out there, everybody was probably a little bit nervous. And he went through, nailed it. And like, he was money that game. Yeah, it was awesome. It was the perfect way for him to be able to end it. We go into the SEC championship game. Um, did you go? Did you go to Atlanta that year? I did. Yeah, I, I went as a fan, right? Or did yeah. we go? Or did we go on the? We weren't on the sideline. I went as a fan that year. I feel like I went as a fan. I can't guarantee it, everybody, but I'm pretty sure <laughs> I was a fan. Yeah, because in 06, yeah, no way. I think it was because it still is an SEC game, and so when you're in conference play, you can only travel 75 players. Yeah, I think that's what it is. And so it's like, yeah, yeah, it was like 75, 85 at that time. So it really was like when, when, when you got to the point where you could travel or be even like you could be on the sidelines for SEC play, that's when you're like, all right, I'm doing something like things are going well. I'm doing something well. Um, I remember there was, cause isn't it McFadden? Is that who was the, the dude that was the crazy running back back then for Arkansas? Yeah. So fun fact, my current boss. Was okay. the OC of that Arkansas team. That's awesome. 
So they had McFadden, Felix Jones, and I believe Peyton Hillis was on that team. Three NFL running backs. Like, and not just your average NFL back, like legit NFL backs. And I remember that week, I'm pretty sure it was that week. Um, you know, we had like the half turf field over on our practice fields. I do. We lived there. We practiced on that week. Somehow, offensive oh, defense right. split a fifty-yard field, which yeah. <laughs> ridiculous. You're yep. the, you're at the University of Florida, and that's what we have. Yeah, because at that time, right? Because they have an absolutely like immaculate facility now. Yeah, but back then it was three fields, right? Two, well, two and a half, two and, right? half, so yeah. two and a half fields of of grass, grass, and then fifty yards of turf. So I remember we're on the turf because playing on turf for that game right and we went out scout o went out tuesday practice and um the defensive coaches and i I believe urban said that the physicality of the offensive line and the running backs wasn't good enough so on or no that may have been wednesday so on thursday which was typically just a shells day yeah only helmets they made the front seven and the O-line and running backs wear shoulder pads, which, like, thinking back on it, and nowadays, like, I, I think about it, those players are pissed. Like, it's a Thursday. Like, you're supposed to walk through. Like, you're basically – Yeah, we wore spiders, through. right? It, was, it wasn't even shoulder pads, right? They were, like, these little, like, foam It, it was, like, the, we, the pads inside the shoulder pad, the soft pads inside the hard pads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And – I remember thinking, like, I've thought about it recently, and I was like, dude, I know everybody was so pissed off on that defensive front seven that they had to wear shoulder pads again on Thursday for that. For sure. But it was all to prepare for that run game that Arkansas had because of the dudes that they had on that team. Yeah. And I I remember sitting up there in the stands, and um, it was, you know, just like the episode says, like, you're sitting there, you're waiting to hear the USC-UCLA score. Like, every time they flash that up there, you're like, come on, UCLA. Like, you got to do this. And and in the back of your head, you're still thinking, like, they better not pick Michigan. Like, we're going out. We're beating somebody in the SEC championship. Right. And then, like, that episode, I, I completely forgot that Chris Lee could come out and threw two picks. I did not remember that. And so when they brought that up, like I forgot that that doubt got in my mind, but what I wish they would have shown is, so they show the fake punt, which I remember we practiced that fake punt uh-huh. all year long. Didn't sure. run it at all, but we, we, he waited the perfect time to run that fake punt. The most gangster, like one of the most gangster calls in the history history of that game it's got to be on like the 10 yard line or whatever like it just is so gangster who does that (laughs) oh absolutely insane and like jamel was one of the fastest guys we had on the team that year and you knew he was running as hard as he could and it's crazy because like you think fake punts like oh yeah it should get you like 50 yards he got like 13 yards to get just enough for the first down right but what they show after that is percy with his long run that didn't happen right after that. No. We didn't score an offensive touchdown after that. That was when we punted 
and they the returner tried to catch the ball inside the five and muffed it, and yep. Wandy recovered it in the end zone. Yep. Like, but I just remember when that happened, that place just going absolutely crazy. Like, and at that point, you're like, all right, we're going to win this game. Like, yep. we, we know we're going to win this game. And it, was, it, it took the right bounces to do it, but all it took was that one to get us back in front. We knew we were going to do it. And what was crazy for me too was like UCLA, USC. So I'm from Southern California. So I grew up going to UCLA games my whole life. Like it was, I was at Pasadena Rose Bowl every home game. Yeah. From like early memory, which now it's my memory is pretty questionable, but it's <laughs> like, it's like from, from for sure. Like, you know what I mean? Eight years old to 18, I was going to UCLA football games. And so I hate USC. Now I hate Georgia. And that's a whole separate world yeah, of hate, right? That's, episode on that. that's reserved just for Georgia. But I was raised hating USC. And so when I had a choice to either go walk on, be a preferred walk on at UCLA or be a preferred walk on to go to Florida, like that was my two choices that I had. And I chose Florida just because it, it was loaded. UCLA looked like they were going to be dog shit. And I wanted to really just pay my own way. And when I had come out to Florida to go to the camp over the summer, when I just went to like their standard summer camp, like in 05 before our senior year of high school, I just, I felt differently when I showed up here and I didn't know anything about Florida. I knew nothing about the swamp. I knew nothing. And I was just like, I feel differently here and I have to pay attention to that. And I, and I balled out in the camp and got invited to go to the swamp and practice in front of all the teams or whatever. And then Madison continued to call me and then they gave me the preferred walk-on status. So for it to come full circle for me to have UCLA beat USC, which at that time was not a guarantee like USC uh, was that like, I mean, I don't know with line art and, and Reggie Bush are still there, but like uh, they had won the, the whole thing either the year before that or just the year before that. Yeah, I think they were gone at that point, but they yeah. had, obviously at that point they were loaded. Like they, yeah. they were able to reload. And in fact, I think and maybe Matt Castle was a quarterback at that point because Liner was gone because they lost to Texas in 05. Right. And I think it was when they had, I think, I don't, I don't know. Either way, either way, it just was way, like UCLA bad. had no business beating USC. Correct. And, and holding and, them to single digits. Correct. And so that's where for me it was it was huge to have UCLA come out on top to then get us still in the conversation. But they they downplayed the drama. It wasn't even when I felt like even when UCLA won, and even that we had beat Arkansas, I felt like it was still kind of questionable. Yeah, they still they made it sound like it was automatic. Like we knew in no way we were going. For sure. It was no question, no way. But in 06, there was still like I remember they came, they brought us up for a watch party for that. Right. And, it was like coin flip kind of a thing. Yeah, because because there were so many people in the media that was saying that Michigan needed like that the, it needed to be a rematch of Michigan and Ohio State because right. of how good that game was the week prior. Right. And yeah, fortunately we got it. And I do you remember how bad like I know that episode talked about it, but how bad everybody said that we were gonna get beat. Do you remember the lies 
that our coaches told us that we didn't realize were lies until Meyer releases his autobiography years later. So Herb Street. So we hated that motherfucker. Oh, no doubt. Like Kirk Herb Street was a four letter word in our world. Like in our locker room, they, in the hotel, they put up so many quotes attributed specifically to Kirk Herb Street of just talking so much shit and saying that we're going to lose. And, and so it was like, it was visceral to the point to where it was like for years, it was just like, fuck that guy. Fuck Dude, Kirk Herb Street. No doubt. I like, it took me a long time to start liking him. And now that makes sense of why. And it was, and so that's what it was. And then it wasn't until years later of whatever, whenever Meyer released his book, where they're like, oh yeah, we made, we made all that up. <laughs> and I was like, what? They made it up? Like it just was all lies. I'm sure there was some stuff, right? Where Because it was, it was, it was four to one. When we got out to the game, it was four to one easy Ohio oh. State fans over Gator fans. Like it wasn't even close. Yeah, and, I yeah, I I made in my notes on that. Like I remember, so you remember they made the um, uh, they made they made us take a bus over before. Yep. And I remember even when we showed up before the travel team did, there were little kids sitting there flicking us off. It was a single bus flicking us off, and. Because think about it, they knew they were going to the national championship two weeks prior, or like a, a whole week before anybody else did. Oh yeah, and I remember one of the best things, like to this day still, is when you're running out of the tunnel of that game, and the amount of booze that you hear, and like, I don't know about you, but I, like I know how. Being on Scout o, or you were on Scout o that year, but like being how yeah. defense was that year, we knew we were about to just beat them so bad. Like, do you it remember was... watching? Uh, Madison had um, Derek Harvey, Jarvis Moss, and I can't remember who else it was, but they, Ohio State had some sort of protection to where when they went empty, they slid their protection one way. Yeah. And, our coaches were sitting there timing how long it took our DNs to get from where their stance to where the quarterback was in the pocket. And it was like stupid how fast it was. Yeah. And they, when they did that in the game, we just ate their lunch all day long. Because that was what Michael did. Right. So Guilford, right. So, so Michael Guilford is the scout team quarterback. And I remember when we get there, we get to Arizona, it's ESPN does a special on him. Yeah. So ESPN does a special because it's, is it Troy Smith? Who is the quarterback? Yeah, who just won the Heisman. Right. So it was, and he was big time running quarterback, super fast. It was like, you got to contain him or whatever it was. And I remember, so Michael was having to be like, he's Troy Smith. Yeah. Like he is being Troy Smith running around. And I remember just getting just fucking waxed. By those, by those guys, but just relishing the fact that he's trying to embarrass Jarvis Moss and embarrass Siler and embarrass yeah. those guys because Mike had bo Mike had boobs, so yeah, there was did. times where he, he absolutely he made people look stupid, and he made people look stupid because he was so fast, even for 
even for a Florida defense, he was, he was, Mike was so fast. And um, for sure, that level of being able to have Mike back there and having, just like you said, being able to have them game plan and time and work that with someone that was capable of running for sure. It prepped that defense, but absolutely our attitude going into that, there was no one else on earth besides Gainesville, Florida and us in Arizona, where it was like, there was zero concern so much so that I remember standing with Mike. Go ahead. Well, I, I remember I went home because, you know, we got a couple of days to go home. Yeah. And I remember I went home to get a haircut and I'm sitting there and, and I had been going to this barber for years growing up. Like my dad had been going to him like he was in Chapel Hill, like always went to him. And he was asking yeah. me about the game. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, we're going to kick their ass. He's like, <laughs> he's like, really? He's like, you know, everybody's saying they're favorite and all this stuff. I was like, just watch. I was like, I'm telling you. No matter what happens early in the game, we're gonna beat them. And go fast forward when when that opening kickoff was returned. Correct. I remember our sideline didn't flinch. Nope. So I'm standing with Michael, and you're probably standing with us, but I remember specifically standing with Michael on the sideline. And he runs back, and I just look at him and go, Oh, so I guess they score once tonight. Yeah. Like, it just was like, that was 100% the attitude where it just was like, oh, okay. Like, it was literally, it just was, they don't score again. Yeah, and, and we knew we were going to beat them so bad. Yeah. And it was like, you. And the awesome part about that game, too, is like, as it kept going on, like, I what they had, like, 82 yards of offense that whole game, like, just yep. complete domination. But the best part about it, and my my parents like brought it up to me because they went out there for that, is with the Ohio State fans that since like you were saying, like they had us outnumbered so bad in that stadium. Mm. But it was like they were all leaving at the end of the third quarter. For sure, because it's 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 a massacre by at that point. And it, you look up and it's like the stands are bleeding because they're all wearing red. Yeah, the red. And you just see all these people coming down. And it's like, you're so happy watching them leave early and like mm-hmm. just know that they all thought that they were just going to roll in here. Or we were just going to roll over like, oh, they're Ohio State. Like, we got no business playing against them. They got the Heisman Trophy winner. And like, it was that, I'll, I'll never forget that sideline feeling when they return that kick, just knowing like, yeah, we're, we're good. And that that's even from not even getting in that game, not even being close to getting in that game. Of, of course not. Knowing the entire sideline felt that way was just like – that's how you knew how like close the team was, but how good we were too. Oh, yeah. And it was and, was, and how prepared we were. Yeah. We were so prepared for that game. And, again, just the, the – we've talked about it before this episode, but it's, it is the feeling – that we had as scout guys to just give it everything we had to get those dudes prepped and that, that pride permeating, you know, all the way across the board and then watching those ghost dudes go to work. And it just was, nobody knew, like, unless you had been following us, like that 06 defense, there were several games where either at halftime or at the end of the game, teams had like negative 12 rushing yards. Yeah. You know what I yeah. mean? Like the entire fucking game, they have zero total yards. Like it just yeah. like it was. So that's where it just was. It was so. And 
And it was unreasonable for us to believe this. Realistically, if we step back, like, of course, we're in it and we're doing it. But the SEC did not have the reputation at this point no. that they do now, right? Like it's 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 such a different animal. And that one, the talking head was a fine bomb, whatever the fuck his name yeah, is. Yeah, which I hated thing. how much he was on that show. Jesus, yeah, it was a lot. It was a lot. But he um, you know, he says a phrase like it's like when Tim Tebow goes to Florida, it changes the game of college football like forever. And I and I and, and I do agree with the idea where it's like Tim comes to Florida then kind of just opening this floodgates of talent that then come to us and therefore obviously opens up and you're recruiting now, but the vibe that I get is like, as that happens, you have a team now getting so beefed with talent that you then almost have like, it almost opened up just all the other SEC schools to this concept to this idea of then going and attracting talent to that level that it just is like this rising tide that lifted all the boats within the sec that just no one's been able to chase up to this point yeah and, and that's the crazy thing is because then after that like i think the sec went on to win like nine straight like i think fsu ended the streak or something but it's just incredible because you knew Every week you had to win. And the SEC knew, like, those coaches knew who they needed to recruit in order to compete for a national championship. You weren't mm-hmm. you weren't just competing for an SEC championship. No. Like, we weren't happy with that. Like, I, I remember thinking about it, and I know it's kind of jumping ahead, but in um, 09, when we lose Alabama – I remember my parents after that game were like, yeah, but, you know, the Sugar Bowl would be good, too. I was like, hey, what I don't, did you I just don't say care about the Sugar Bowl. I was like, we don't sit here and, and – and this is from somebody that didn't, that didn't play. I'm like, right. we don't sit here and go through these off-season workouts, go through these metros, go through all this conditioning, all these lifts, get our ass kicked and practice as much as we do to play in the Sugar Bowl. Yeah. Like, yeah, I get it's a BCS game. That's cool. We wanted to play in the Rose Bowl for the national championship. For real. And and that that was a goal every single year, every single year after, especially after 06. Like it was, hey, we're we only want to play for the national championship. And that's what I love the fact that Meyer, we only got rings when we won the national championship. I have one baby ring. No. which was when we beat a child molesters team. Which I think is unfair, right? Like it's, but no, we lost to the child molester. No, we beat them. Never mind. I always wanted, I want to come up with that? a way for us to get Penn State. 2010? Yeah. Yeah. Which was super yeah. weird. Like it was like, I got it sized for my pinky. But I don't like, th- we didn't get one point? for the Sugar Bowl, did we? We did not, which that would have been dope. Like at that one, like I get why we didn't, because I understand the principle of what you just said, which is just, it's no, the rings we get are rings for conference championships and national championships. The rest of the rings are stupid. Like this yeah. doesn't matter. And it is, it was that, right? And I saw, I read an article again, as I was like trying to prepare for our, these different episodes and stuff. And then somebody was like downplaying like the sugar bowl significance because of like whatever play or BCS play where like sugar bowl doesn't hold the same value. It's like, no, 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 no. 
Like I'm sure Sugar Bowl really, really fucking mattered to Cincinnati. Yeah. Now Cincinnati was undefeated, so there was like a whole other element where like maybe they felt like they had gotten robbed because they had been undefeated or whatever, and they wanted to go to the show or whatever you wanted to say. But it was like any other team would have been excited. We were just un we had unreasonable expectations because of what we went through. And I can't 100%. for sure. I remember running stadiums just being like, if we don't win the whole thing, what if I we do don't this? win all of this, what the fuck is the yeah. point of any of this? No doubt. And like, and I, I've been to the Sugar Bowl with another program I work with shortly mm-hmm. after. Phenomenal. I'm enough, so excited. Everyone's we, super pumped. Well, oddly enough, we played Florida in it. Oh, no shit. That's awesome. I love yeah. It. But, um, but like that, we wanted that. Yeah. But our expectation wasn't to win the national championship. Right. Our expectation was to win. Uh, there's the Big East that year and continue to do whatever we could. Right. Now we wanted to eventually be a national championship contender, but when we got to the sugar bowl, we we're like, yeah, this, this is awesome. Like this is, it's a big and it, but it was a complete different feeling from it, where it was. I, I guess it was like three years earlier. Right. Mm. But yeah. So there was the last note that I made was there was a phrase. There were some favorite sayings. And it was like everything you've got for four to six seconds. It yeah. was like a phrase of like, do your jobs. Like there was certain these, these sayings that were common when we played. And um, I was telling Vernon when I went with him, like I loved how fuck got transposed into all sorts of words. Yeah. Like it's like, but fucking nanas. This is but bu- fucking nanas. I was in a Dazio, you know, an Adazio one was but fucking nanas. And, um, but it's like everything you've got for four to six seconds, do your job. Um, you relentless know, type, effort. Four relentless six effort, relentless right. effort. Absolutely. Um, but it just was like these things that get ingrained in us. Yes. This, you know, it just is, it is so interesting. Yeah. Just as, and it's, I, I like seeing Tony Joyner. He was, it was, it was, it was sad seeing him. Yeah. Because, he was so kind. Like I really liked Tony. Tony was such a good dude. And he was, and, and that's where like, there were certain players like spikes was this way. Like, I, I, because they were kind to walk-ons. Yes. You could, to me, you could always judge a player by how they treat a walk-on. Yeah. The one in particular that I think was always the best was Joe Hayden. Joe was great. Joe was the best. Like we'd be out at a bar club and it like we'd be at a place where it was literally hundreds of people in between where me and a couple other guys were standing and where he just walked in. He would, as soon as he walked in and saw us, he'd come over, say what's up, and then go do his thing. But he would make sure to go see us and say what's up. And it's like, it's like, dude, you don't have to do that. But like I appreciate it. But like, yeah. But like there were just certain guys that were just awesome to walk on. And to me, that's always how you could tell like genuinely how good a person was. Yeah. And, and, and that's where the, Tony was so kind. And then for him to be, you know, I essentially know. In, in jail, you know, whatever it was, murder his girlfriend or whatever it was. And it was just like, God damn. Yeah. And it, it is have some of those dudes that were just really solid dudes. And then just, you know, they zigged when they should have zagged. Yep. And, um, but what make, what I really enjoyed, cause it was one of those things where like, 
I love Spikes to death, but he never did the intro of like y'all boys ready. Like it just was like, cause Tony had done that of like, is y'all boys ready? Hell yeah. Y'all boys ready? Hell yeah. Y'all ain't ready. Shit. And we were getting ready to go out into the yeah. stadium when you're in the locker room. Like I loved that, like that ritual so much. And then somebody being like, once again, it's on. And then everybody goes, woo. Like, it's like those rituals were so ingrained where like it was. And so when spikes took it over, I'm like, it's, it's not the way Tony used to do it. Tony didn't used to do it well, that way. Well, you know, it's funny that you say that too. Those are some of the little things that I had kind of forgotten. Oh, really? And so, and so when I see it on there, mm-hmm. like, I mean, it comes back immediately. But yeah. even some of the guys with the team that I work with now are like, Dude, the stuff y'all, y'all said in the uh, locker room and stuff, like, y'all were lit in there. Like, I was like, no, <laughs> it was I, juiced I, up. I know in we there, were. Man. Like, we were ready to do it. <laughs> it was juiced up in that locker room. And so that was been that those were those were very, very cool just moments and stuff that was crazy. Um, and then some of the stuff because of us winning, some if we're gonna stay with just in, in locker room moments for a second, is like like you like jimmy buffett is in the locker room mm-hmm. um edge from the wwe is yeah. in the locker room and then i'm not gonna say his name but one of our players a walk-on is over by in our locker area gets edges a- attention it's like yo edge and then he drops his towel and just is thick dicked like waving his dick at edge and it's just and it's just like come on, like it just is come on, man. It's like that is one of the most gangster goddamn moves on the planet. No, of having a, like a WWE superstar and be like, "Yo, check out my hog, bro." Yeah, and it just was, but it just was like that. Ended up being stuff that was normal. We're like Emmett Smith being around was like, oh, that's that's Emmett Smith. Yeah, or, or it's like, yeah, that's only the you know NFL's all time leading rusher or whatever. Right. But yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, he's here. There was another thing that I just remembered and and going over a few more minutes. My wife's going to be like, what time is it? What are you doing? <laughs> um, the indoctrination that we took, that we received, which I thought was really, really important, especially being a kid from Southern California and not growing up in the SEC and being in Florida, was the indoctrination that we received on our rivalries. Mm-hmm. I thought was really stellar where it was, was it during two a days where it was like during two a days, I'm asking you and you're giving me a solid blank stare. So I'm going to keep explaining. So like, yeah. I think it's during two a days. Right. And it was, we had every once in a while we'd have these meetings. So like um, they would be shuffled with like players bleeding on us years later. Right. It was like yeah. you know, telling these just horrific stories until Jim Tart gets up and being like, my life was fucking awesome. <laughs> my parents are awesome i had no bad shit happen i don't know what the fuck you guys have all got going on like it just was like it was such it was such a wonderful like just levity like lift up the room a little bit of being like listening to just one more player that had a gun put in their face when they were nine and it was just like to have jimbo being like nope my life was great i'm yeah, super yeah. excited to be here um, yeah you didn't hear very many of those no, no but it was like these meetings that we would have. So they would bring in an alumni to talk to us about the history of a rivalry. So our key rivals were is, is Tennessee, Florida state and Georgia. 
right? Those are like the key yeah. rivalries that we have. And um, so you'd have these alumni and they would come in and they would talk about what this game means. And um, the dude that played nose tackle for the Buccaneers. Oh, uh, Youngblood. No. Youngblood, I thought, was an older guy. I want to say this dude's name. God, now I'm telling the story and I don't have him. Um, fuck. His name's right. I, I know who you're talking about. Okay, so his name is Brad Culpepper. So Culpepper comes in and my man is in like $700 jeans and like designer shoes. And he comes in and he lays on, and I can't remember which team he was trying to get us to hate, but by the end, I hated them. And I hated <laughs> no them doubt. so much. Like it just was like, and, and like we, I use consistently colorful language in my everyday life. And so this is why every one of our episodes are explicit. And I have, and, and we used colorful language in the locker room when we all play football together. Yep. But this dude took it to a whole new level of like the amount of creative swearing that he was able to compact in a very short amount of time and in his speech, but it was so epic. Yeah. And it just was like, and he, I remember he even pulled out cause he played in the league for a while. I think he played whatever it was like either for the Vikings or for the bucks for a number of years. And he was on either kickoff or kickoff return. And he pulled out one of his helmets from the league and the face mask was caved in. Yeah. After a hit. And this dude was just like certifiably insane. And it was so key. It was so crucial to like understand who do we hate? Why do we hate them? Do you hate them? Good. Like that's your job. Your job is to hate it. This game is different. And I think that that education and that learning that we went through we went through a significant amount of education and brainwashing to hate Georgia in the 07 off season. Yeah. But it's fundamentally to know like who the bad guys are because the SEC games do are at that time. It was, if it was Kentucky or, or Vandy or whatever. Like there were some games that just was like, they should be yeah, in like the yeah. ACC. Like they're not, yeah. it was that it was very odd to have them be with us, but otherwise they just all were hard games. Yeah. Like it just was like, it was always going to be a tough game. It was always going to be a battle, but it was like, especially like it's Tennessee's logos going in the urinal. Well, We're and going you remember, to piss on them. You, you remember all week, the only thing that you heard in the facility was Rocky Top. So you learned to hate that song. Like it is one of college football's greatest fight songs, but I absolutely despise it. I have heard it about... 50,000 more times than I would ever want to hear it in my life. But you know what we didn't hear on game day? Rocky Top. Rocky Top. <laughs> we, were, we were getting after them. Oh, yeah. And man, in practice, they would put up those speakers in the fucking end zone oh. and do like goal line, just blaringly yeah. loud. But it was, it was, it was the, all those things. They all, like it all helped of just manufacturing. Could you imagine the amount of artificial crowd noise you could do inside that practice dome that they got now? Oh, I bet it would be, it would be, I bet it would be insane. How loud they could get it. Inside my ears spot. would still be ringing. From it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, shit, man, that is, that is the entire, that's, that's the whole episode. Hey, the only thing I want to add to that, please. Is at the end when urban talks about how he calls his dad 
or he tells his dad about how it's the greatest feeling and I can't that it was like the he had like a weight lifted off his shoulders. Right. That stuff hit home more than ever because there is so much like working in college football now. There is so much pressure put on you every single year. And I can only imagine for him winning a national championship and you're at the University of Florida where you're already living in the shadows of Steve Spurrier anyways because of everything that he's done there. And they want their next Spurrier. And kind of like what I mentioned earlier, like knowing the fact that your job depends on 18 to 22-year-olds maybe a 23-year-old, to make the right decisions off the field, especially in a place like Gainesville, where you could go out and do whatever you wanted to do. Like, yeah. it was – you said you were on the football team. You could get in any bar. Like, I remember after the championship in 06, I went to a bar at Midtown. They had the roster out front. I told them, well, I'm 18 years old. I told them who I am. They're like, cool, here's a wristband. They checked me out the roster. They said, go to the back. We got a keg for you guys on the stage. And that's that, that's just how you were treated there. Right. But the and you know, he always talked about the human element taking over. Poison. Yeah. But you don't like that could always happen with no matter what recruiting class you brought in. Mm-hmm. But it would also happen with the people outside of the program, the wash, as he used to call it. The wash. Ah, the wash. I have not remembered the wash. Absolutely. (laughs) But think about all the press clippings and everybody saying, hey, in 07, you know, we're ranked preseason like top 10. Yeah. Had the year that we did. And then you look at 09, we win. Tebow says he's coming back. Spikes is coming back. B. James coming back. Like, we're loaded again. And, like, nobody enjoyed winning that year. It was just like we were supposed to, but you were supposed to by 40 every game. Yeah. But it's it's crazy to me in this profession now, and like people don't want to – like I can understand the magnitude of pressure that he was on after winning a championship there and then after winning two. And if you think about it, college football is so different than any other profession because – when do you go to your financial advisor and say, Hey, Fred, you just lost me 200 bucks. I think you should be fired. Like you shouldn't work your job anymore. You shouldn't work at, you know, (laughs) right. Edward Jones or, Hey, I just got, um, somebody got knee surgery. They retear their ACL. Well, okay. We need to put pressure on that doctor. He's not doing a good job. Right. Or a teacher's not getting like, there's not that pressure in any other business. Everybody looks at college football and at the players and at the coaches and like demands perfection. Mm-hmm. What other profession do they do that in? Uh, maybe, like it, maybe the Navy SEALs. <laughs> like, you, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it, it doesn't exist. And, and it's, it's crazy because you have these, you know, and college football doesn't work without the fans. That's what makes college football college football. For sure. But it's so crazy in the fact, and you can tell that it, it like it got him because, you know, Steve on the side of the road 
who has never played football in his life, but has made millions of dollars creating whatever business he has is going on message boards or telling the AD, Hey, we should fire such and such because they haven't won 10 games this year. Well, Hey, really? Well, you haven't made $2 million this year for your business. So maybe you should get fired. Like it's, it's such a interesting um, dynamic at the end that you completely get why the things happened to him that did. And he, and, and you think about it, like while we were there, everything that there was such a high standard to do everything. And, and even for the people that weren't playing, you had to have a high standard to do whatever, um, whatever was expected of you to do. I could imagine being on his staff. No, like I, I think, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, think about like you, for you, what you do now and the guys that you work with now, I couldn't imagine no, being, being those coaches in those meetings, like you get um, you just get a glimmer, you get a taste of it. Where Mullen's like, like losing's not in his DNA. Yeah, like, like it just it's it's so guarded. It's so, but it's just like it's it's I I can't talk about this. Um, but it's bad. It's really bad. It's really yeah. Bad. It's really really bad. So you can just. And just being around people that were on the staffs there, just with some of the other jobs I've had, mm-hmm. like it, they like they specifically talked about that 09 season of being like, okay, we won, but they were supposed to like it, right? What are we supposed to do? And when you have that, when you don't have joy in winning anymore, like that's how you know that the pressure is just it's through the end. roof. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Blaylock, I'm really pumped. It's been awesome to be able to sit down. Like it's it's the excuse to be able to get together with everybody. It's we just we've known each other for a long time, and even when we were together in locker rooms, we never sat and spoke for two and a half hours. No doubt. So so like it's we just did two and a half hours of of reminiscing and talking, and and I, I'm. I'm really grateful that you were able to come on and we were able to go through this and kind of talk through and share these stories. So many things like continue to come back and flood back. It's um, this has been awesome. Yeah. I appreciate when you called me last week, you know, I, I thought about it for a, for a second just because of what I do now, but it was a no brainer right. to, to do just, I mean, dude, th- these were the, those days shaped our lives. And like, that's, those times, like, why wouldn't we want to talk about that? Like, and especially you and I, like, we came in at the exact same time. We went through everything. Like, it, I mean, it was, yep. it, like, I, I appreciate you having me on. Like, th- this has been a blast, complete blast. Absolutely. Well, all right. So for, for everybody that is following along, um, this is the end of our companion episode for episode two for Untold Swamp Kings docuseries companion episode that we're doing here on the Walk On podcast. So we then also have episode three, it's going to be coming out and episode four. And then that will be the end of those companion episodes. And then moving forward, um, I'll be doing one-on-one interviews with walk-ons from all types of sports, backgrounds, um, that are folks that have come, they kind of did that on a manageable. They did not get that scholarship, but they decided to 
go after it and kind of pave their own way. And then they had success and we'll be doing those one-on-one interviews as well. So if you have someone that, you know, and, and, and play like this is for you as well, right? If we know if you guys out there have folks that fit the bill, that it's like we, their story needs to be told. Because for me, our stories, Blaylock and I, our stories and the guys that I've had on here with me, these are stories that need to be told. And I want to be able to tell them. And I want to tell other walk-on stories as well, whether they're track athletes or basketball players or football players, whatever it may be, male, female, doesn't matter the age. It just is that they do something amazing where they came on and they kind of did what no one really fully understands and that their story needs to be told for other people is reach out to us. Um, you can reach out to me directly on Instagram at jbanksfl. So it's B-A-N-K-S-F-L as in Florida. Um, or you can shoot us an email at the, so at walkonpodcast email at gmail.com. But you can just go the easiest route, go to Instagram, DM me directly at jbanksfl. Blade, do you want people bothering you? Do you want people following you? Do you want anything? You want any heat? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't care. I, I got some people that that I think would be great for it. But, you know, Twitter and Instagram is both uh, at Blaylock Andrew. It's pretty simple. That's Blaylock with a Y uh, for anybody asking. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I think it's – I think this is awesome. Not enough walk-ons get to share their story about everything that they went through for any sports. So, uh, I think I think this is awesome. The idea, brother. Well, thank you again for being on. And um, I look forward to having an excuse for us to sit down and talk, hopefully in person. In the hey, and you know what we need to do when we do that is have some of these uh, Berry House Beer Company beers. Jim so, Berry, one of the guys we played with, has a brewery down in Ewar City. Everybody should go check it out if you're in Tampa. Yep. I yep. think we should all meet down there and have. We, have that's exactly what we should do. We should do a live podcast, walk-on podcast at Berry House Brewery in Ebor City. Highly recommend. If you're in that area, definitely check them out. It's some of the best beer on the planet, and none of that IPA horseshit. It is not IPA horseshit. They have high-quality beer that doesn't have a pineapple shoved up its ass. So I highly recommend it for everybody. All right, that's it. We'll see you guys in the next episode.